Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I am still up uh, 20 grand from this last time I stick it in. Well, let's see, I meet Bobby Riggs, who's a Hamilton tennis champion, playing ping pong with a skillet. I beat Edith Knievel playing golf with a bow and arrow. The arrow was my ball. And I'm the guy that bet he could make a cat kick up a Coke bottle and put it on top of a building. Nowhere in yeah. Coles. So what happens is that... <laughs> <laughs> You're going down, down. <laughs> <laughs> Shove you off to <laughs> fucking Bilo or something. Just trying to hide you anyway. So what happens is you get people coming in. <laughs> put my fucking death bell away. <laughs> Especially like many, like anyone you deal with are good people on the floor. This is yep. like level six management. People who are, they're, they're very, very smart people. These people aren't the stupid people. But they were coming in there and they make small changes that look very good on their resume and then leave yeah. to other companies. So you have most level six managers, you don't see them stick around. You have okay. them come in and they realize this is a fucking mess. There's nothing I can do here. So they'll make small little changes. Let's say like putting a double zero on a roulette table or so something like that. I increase these profits by X percent. Exactly. Go take it somewhere else. Exactly. But the thing is what you do, and especially like, what well, they got that where you st- stand off on a 22 on blackjack or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From their own sports, business. Sports, blackjack. Yeah, something like some that. fucking bullshit. And you yeah. offer nothing in return. And as a dealer, it's pretty much, we have to cop that because it's just a big yeah. fuck you. We know you got no, you got no aces up your sleeve. And as a customer, you've got nowhere else to go. Exactly right. And so I found that just terrible, knowing that they're smart enough, they know that we can get away with this, and I'm not going to be here to, for the shitstorm because I'm putting this on my resume that I came to Crown, I made their profits increase by X amount because I made yeah. this decision, and hey, all of a sudden my resume is fucking awesome. Yeah. But they don't realize that these people, they can go to you know any other casino more or less. Well, not the main floor people, but yeah. mahogany people at least can go wherever they want. Yeah. And the thing is, you only push people to so much point, but... The staff is what they're losing. Yeah. And so where you talk about that retention of, um, of of good staff, they've realized that all they need mainly is Mandarin and Cantonese-speaking dealers yeah. that don't have personalities. The customer yeah. service is irrelevant because there's nowhere else they can go. And for the most part, they're dealing off, off of addiction. And that's why when you see they're opening Barangaroo, is it? Yeah, it's Sydney. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be international only. But that's high volume only as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. International only. That's all they want. They don't want locals. Locals aren't a big part of their market anymore. So who owns that? Is that um, Packer and? Um, so it is part of the Packer. Yeah, it's part of Crown uh, Limited. But I think it's Packer and Stanhope. Uh, Stan. I'm um, not entirely sure. Uh, I think it might be a partnership with someone. From, someone. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it's that's a partnership. Time. But the thing is, yeah, all their money is made in baccarat from internationals and drug dealers, and they know that. So yeah. the local market, so like. You're playing poker, you're playing any table on the main floor that's irrelevant to the running. Like, doesn't even do anything. If you look at, um, they've got a pit there. The thing is, as a dealer, we don't know the pits is what they're, they're called, like um, Mahogany Room or Maple Room or you whatever. Know we the know numbers. they're pit 22, yeah. pit whatever, you know. But the Maple Room, it's called Pit 8, but that's the place where all the Baccarats are. Like, all the Baccarats on the main floor where you don't need a car to get into it. It's not exclusive. Anyone go in there and they get free drinks. That's where they turn over all the drug money. Yeah. All oh, really? the drug money goes through there. 
Because Baccarat's um, slightly under 50 50. And it's quick. Yep. And if you tie, you stand off. Yep. So it's, it's easy yep. and quick. And the thing is. Sorry, keep going. It's easy to cheat because they're yeah. fucking huge tables. And yeah. you've got one dealer, and Crown made rules like you can have one supervisor to cover four tables. Yeah, fucking good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> And so, especially where you've got that shoe here, you can't see anything behind that shoe. Yeah. So people can put bets there, and they're legit bets. You've got no idea that they're there. But um, right. what happened one time was that <coughs> the cops often do walkthroughs to the casino, just yeah. whatever they're doing. And this one time, they kept on going into um, the maple room, and on, on any given day, that place could have a million dollars in their drops. So in their boxes, all those tables, total a million bucks. Like, yeah. It's fucking huge. And that's what keeps them afloat. Like that room alone keeps them afloat, and what they make make in private salons is what dictates how much they yep. go ahead and how much they. But it's all on an hourly basis, more or less. Yep. So anyway, cops walk through Maple Room, which is obviously a very big moneymaker for them. All of a sudden, the room fucking empties, <laughs> like empties. Oh, really? Sphincter yeah. muscles are going all over yep. the place. Just gone. And so half an hour later, the room comes back together. Two hours later, cops come back. Just do a lap through. And I think the cops weren't trying to do anything important. They yeah, were just, just walking around. Just they, didn't re- they didn't wow. realize it at all. Yeah. And so next minute, the room fucking empties. Wow. So the pit boss has gone up to him going, excuse me, guys, can you just not like come in this room? Like, every time you come in here, the room is just emptying. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, no worries. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Last walk through the cops ever did yeah. in that room. And the wow. thing is, that when you're in that room, it's never the people you expect that are the important people in that room. Yeah. And when I say important, they're the people that they, they, the they, they know what's going on. Like, not necessarily they drop the most money, but they're the dodgy motherfuckers yeah. that they'll run that room. You know, they know what's going on. If, especially, you know, when you're dealing to a table full of, let's say, some, some Viets, because I'm, well, my missus Viet, and I speak almost a little bit of Viet. You know the swear I'm words. very in that community, if that makes sense. Like, they'll argue about what they're going to bet on, because on, on Baccarat, generally everyone bets on the same side. Because if you bet on the other side, there's someone else in their culture, it's like saying, fuck, fuck you, you, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to read. It's like betting um, the don't pass line in craps. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. It. You want to you want everyone celebrate else to everyone else's yep. misery because yeah. you're a cunt. Yep. Yep. yep, exactly right. The only exception is generally they'll allow you to go face up or someone will just say, if there's lots of money, they'll say, look, if you win, I'll just give you the money. Like, it's cool. Just don't okay. put your bet out on the layout. Um, so, um, yeah. And then you get one person that'll come along and they'll bet, they'll sit down, look, look around, no bit opposite. And no one will say a fucking word. No one will say nothing. Yeah. And they'll just look at them, like, <clears throat> pull their bets back, and they might say, <laughs> and you know, that lady or man or whatever, they're the person that's running this room. Yep. Like, they're the ones that, they're cleaning the most money through there, and they know the most dodgy motherfuckers that they got the respect in that community. And, it's, and you got to think... So like if somebody comes up and bets the banker instead of the player, or the player instead of the banker... Yeah. And nobody complains. And, and no one complains... Those are the the, the movers and shakers, the influencers in that room. If they take their bets off, yeah, definitely, definitely. Wow, yeah. And the thing is, there's never the people you expect. But the thing is, everyone there knows that. So what they'll do if there's any problems in the room, people start arguing, the fight's breaking out. They'll just go straight to that person and say, "Look, she's not good, man. You know, surveillance can come down, might get security." And they'll go there and say, "You guys got to stop," and they'll yeah. stop straight away. And so the little intricate sort of communities and networks that that run that room. And not staff orientated. It's completely wow. external orientated on how these rooms run. That's really interesting. Yeah, and it never like whenever I see a drug bust on TV, I'll always look for who it is because I can guarantee <laughs> I've seen them if they're big enough through the mahogany room. But right. 
mainly in, in Vietnam, the Asian communities, is never the people you, you would expect. And I think the main thing is because, especially they came over here as, as immigrants fleeing war, a lot of it was survival strategy, where they had no money, couldn't speak the language, had no skills, nothing else. The one thing that you get out there is it's in the Golden Triangle, so they get heroin and yeah. things like that, and that's one of the things. But what they did was that they didn't rely on that as an institution. They borrowed that money out to other people to start businesses. So a lot of the businesses you see, whether it be restaurants or whatever, were actually funded by drug money, but aren't sustained by drug money. It's just that it's that was the only start. way that they could make ends meet, and that, they shared that, that amongst everyone. Starts. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, yeah. colloquially speaking, so nothing to back this up, but you know, you speak so openly about how it's it's a laundry, yeah, and they're washing yeah. money. And you, I've always heard that um, it, it's known, but they don't do anything about it because at least we're getting a cut of it somehow. Like there is tax on that somewhere. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, it's something that's happening. I mean, you, and then you try and deal with it down the line or anything, but there's always that little blind eye turned. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, it's not even so much a blind eye. It's open. Yeah. It's very open. Like, I know <laughs> the thing is, if you want to, if you want to hear gossip, always make friends with the dealer because <laughs> you end up blending in with the furniture. People actually forget that you're there. Yeah, yeah. You're almost an organic poker machine. Like I've had, I remember one time I was in, when I was working at Adelaide Casino, I was coming to Valentine's Day, the two young guys having a chat, playing some blackjack. I was sitting there dealing, not talking at all, they're just chatting amongst yep. themselves, which I'm cool. Um, and they're like, oh, it's Valentine's Day. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Might head down Johnson Street, which is where the hookers are. Yep. <laughs> He's like, yeah, might just get a wrist or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said back forth, I'm like, Jesus, fuck it. I mean, at least give you some money, you might get the whole lot. <laughs> He's like, Oh shit. <laughs> oh, shit. I forgot you were there, man. Eh? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm still here, dude. I'm still here. I'm still taking your money. <laughs> and by the way, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, how about this? You, you got a cup? Just yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they used to have the training center for, for new dealers um, across the road on City Road. Because um, the staff entrance Crown to Crown College. Crown, yeah, Crown College. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, obviously, you don't practice with the same. So proud of yourself. <laughs> you don't practice with the same chips you use on the floor because obviously that's real tender. Yep. Yeah. And so they've got like training chips, but obviously. So like having training wheels as a three-year-old. <laughs> yeah, more or less, more or less for beginners. But um, obviously, people from the, from the public wouldn't really know this. And so when they first opened up that um, training center, and they had like these brand new chips that obviously had Crown Casino on them and yeah. Yeah. whatever. They take it to the hookers, the strippers. <laughs> the hookers don't know any better. And, did they, and they were accepted? Yeah. Because hey. they're legit chips and they've got crown on them. But they don't understand they're training chips and they're worth fuck all. So for like a month, man, all these brothels and strip clubs were just That's mad brilliant. as fuck at crown. They're like, whoever it is, just stop it because like these are dodgy fuckers that are going to be some of our biggest customers. So. That's brilliant. <laughs> So all these hookers giving out free pussy for training yeah. chips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking I should go to <laughs> <laughs> yep. it's, it's a shame. It's that they've always thought of the best ideas before you did around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what about, did you hear any uh, many stories about Kerry Packer? Because uh, obviously yeah. he's a legendary yeah. gambler. I've yeah. heard a few along the way, but interesting. Well, he, uh, he even had stories in... Um, uh, Vegas. Uh, no, the, the book. What's the famous book? The, the best gambling book. The... the the, the professor, the banker, oh, the professor banker, suicide king. Professor banker, suicide king. He yeah. had a, a page and a half, I think, de- dedicated to him in that Did book. He? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do, I do, and we'll go into those. Um, thing is, what I loved most about when I was a dealer, and especially when I was nine coded and could work in the private rooms and the salons, was having a. Well, when I first got into that sort of area, it was still a bit more old school orientated. Where if your player was in Victoria, that salon was open and fully staffed. So that salon didn't get shut down until they left the state. 
Um, so a lot of times you'd be sitting there doing nothing. And that was just one of the, because you didn't get a pay increase for being a salon dealer or moving up the ranks as a dealer, so to speak. Um, that was one of the benefits that you got was that a lot of time you do nothing, but occasionally you're gonna have to fucking work your ass off and yeah. do lots of tough calculations and shit, yeah. especially with angry customers who are going to get whatever they want. Yeah. That's just the payoff that you made. Um, and so my favorite part was being in these dead salons with the old school supervisors and we'd sit there and we'd just tell stories. Like, and that was my favorite part was sitting yeah. there just chatting to the old school guys. Cause I'm a bit of an old school dude myself. Uh, even though I've only worked the 10 years, I still got the, the last of the old school era of casinos. Yeah. And so the, you, you got in just before internet gambling. Exactly. Yeah. And I got in like after that, they end up saying we've got to tighten GFC happened and tighten the purse strings and salons got to shut, got to cut down the staff and all that sort of business. Um, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of Kerry Packer stories came about. I remember um, one of the supervisors or pit bosses who worked at Crown, she worked at the first first Tasmanian casino. What was that called? West Point. West Point. West Point. She worked there. She said Kerry was like one of their best customers. But she said he was a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Like he, he would be so demeaning and he just have this point weird fetishes each day. Like, all right, only blondes under five foot two. Whatever. And <laughs> purely just cause. Yeah. Just, just because cause. he could. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, seriously, they would have blondes under five or twos line up at his door because he, they wouldn't stick around. They sit there, bang, 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 lose. Fuck you, fucking cunt. Get out. Next. Next. Yep. <laughs> Next. Wow. Apparently he was fucking brutal. But the thing is, when he owned Crown, because he was a gambler, he understood the gambling perspective, yep. like what the player wanted. So he, that's what he looked after. James yeah. has never been a gambler. And so as soon as Harry Chain died that's when they changed all these rules from a customer service focus to a bottom line focus yeah making money which that's a good short term strategy 22 is a push it's, as, yeah. it's good as long as you Blackjack have that monopoly 6 to 5 that. rather than 3 to 2 yep yep and it's good as long as you've got that monopoly over that market but as soon as another casino opens they're fucked they can't compete with yep. what they're doing which is why they pay handsomely for their license exactly year. and that's why they get legislated they're the number one tourist attraction for Melbourne or Victoria or whatever, or whatever. it is and they got employer of the year. It's like, who the fuck did they ask? They didn't ask employees. Like, they sure as fuck didn't ask the employees or the customers because neither of them are happy. So how the fuck does this work? And that was the final straw for me. I went, fuck this, man. Like, seriously, really? All right, cool. I'm and out. That was fun. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. yeah. yeah. That, and there were a couple of things. Like, I always what, hate the fact that you left because... You run out of the stories. Right up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The thing I, is, I, it's, uh, you know, I still got enough tendrils in there that the good ones still come out. The stories still come. The good ones still come out. But yeah, Kerry Kerry was... I can't, but he was very good at running that place because he knew how the ga- what the gamblers wanted because yep. he was the hardcore gambler. Yeah. And apparently when Lloyd bought that casino, he was very sort of um, anal about every little detail. Like, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard this story from people who worked there that when they um, built the tennis court on top of the whatever... I wouldn't know. I only know because when I'm, the salons are in the Crown Towers and the hotels, or most of them are, and you can see down to tennis courts. So I don't actually know where they are in Crown, but right. there's tennis courts on the down roof of somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> and it's only like maybe three levels up or whatever, but there's tennis courts there somewhere. And apparently, like, they built the tennis courts or whatever, and um, they showed him, so, you know, so what do you think? He goes, I've done a fucking excellent job, but just move the tennis court a foot this way. And shit like that, <laughs> which costs extra money. Yeah. So eventually, he just run himself out of making it viable for himself because it wasn't near completion when he'd already dug himself too much of a hole. Yeah. That's when Kerry went, all right, well, dollar, we'll buy it, and I'll fix it up for it and take yep. care of it to keep it in Victoria, which was the best move ever because even Lloyd was a gambler, but mainly a horse horse gambler, and right. horses and whatnot. And so Kerry took it and said, all right, I know what players want, so fucking I'll just do that. And that's what he did. That's why I, when they had... Um, actually, when Lloyd owned it, they had all these horse racing trophies in the mahogany room. 
that big um, sort of shell set up with like uh, glass and glass cases. I think he had his Melbourne Cup in there and other things. He's a big statue of a horse, but when he sold it, he kept some in there and then took the value ones at home, obviously. Right, yeah. yeah. But um, Kerry, yeah, apparently Kerry was very good because he knew how what the gamblers wanted, so it was very customer service orientated. And he knew that that would make the money come. As long yep. as you please customers, they will give you their money. They'll keep coming back. Well, that, yep. That's how Benny Binion made his uh, yeah. footprint yep. in Vegas. Exactly. Just, yep. They just want good, honest gamble, yep. Yep. good odds. Whereas James yeah. listened to accountants. Well, Benny Binion was also, um, when the big thing he changed was he took bets bigger than anyone yep. else was prepared to say. Because mm. the yeah. gamblers wanted to bet higher. <coughs> the rest of the casinos were scared to do it. So Benny Binion said, well, I'll take your well, bets. He, um, he also, he gave, um, like, because the high rollers were the only ones who got free drinks. And yeah. he said, no, nah, everyone. Everyone gets well, looked after. he was the after. first one that did free drinks. He was yeah. the one that said, you know, for, for everyone, for all the tables. But I think his thing was always, um, you can bet as high as you want as long as you walk in and that's your first bet. Yeah. No, there is no upper limit. And the famous story was somebody came in and said, I want to bet five million. He said, I'm not taking that bet. He goes, and the, the gambler said, well, I thought you had no limit. He said, I thought we did too. Yep. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I still remember that. Wait, wait, wait. It's, it's, that was in probably The Suicide King, actually. That's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I always remember that story. On one occasion, I was, again, another one of the Vegas yarns, but you talk about Jerry, uh, Kerry Packer stories. Yeah. Um, and playing some stupid table game bonus bet thing that makes you hemorrhage your money quicker than anything else. Um, late at night and the the croupier was 75 years old and had been at MGM when it was still at the Wizard of Oz brick, yellow brick yeah. running through it um, and she said that you know she remembered to where you're from normal conversation live in Australia I, you know I had Kerry Packer really? Yeah. I dealt to, you dealt to Kerry Packer? and she started talking about Kerry Packer really? and she would not have a bad word said against yeah. him really? she said he was fucking awesome Yep. And he would listen to stories. Yeah, he was a hard, hard nose, tough nut. Yeah. Um, but he'd listen to stories, and then he'd do things for some of the croupiers at the MGM. Yeah. Pay hospital bills for chil- their yeah. children, all these yeah. kind of things. But he'd just do it on the quiet, and yeah. you know, see a croupier upset and find out what happened, yeah. and just do things. And she would not have a word, bad word said about yeah. him. I had heard of that as well, actually. I had heard that he was very generous with um, the way he tipped people. But, yeah. And that's the thing is that whenever, whenever I was working there, I wouldn't. You can't judge per person too harshly by how they act in a casino when they're losing money. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But when they're in there all the time, you can generally make some conclusions yeah. about the type of person they are. Yeah. And so I think with Kerry had a very sort of compassionate heart, just fucking hated losing because obviously he's very successful at what he does. Yeah. yeah, competitive and you're not used to, to losing. And so I thing is, when I, when I was a dealer, I was happy if I just wanted players to be consistent in their attitude. So if you don't like me, I'm cool with that. But don't like me for the whole the whole shit. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Don't be fucking my best mate when you've won one hand and then be a cursing the fuck out of me the very next hand. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm cool with ebbs and flows. So you're going to have a, an hour where you might profit. You're not winning everything. You're going on a crazy streak, but you might have a profit. You're going to be talking and then you're going to shut the fuck up and maybe say some bad words. I'm cool with that. But from hand to hand, don't be my best friend one hand and then be a cunt <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah. Because that's what people understand is that whenever, you're, whenever you come to a table... Most of the time, the dealer, he doesn't have anything against you. And he, actually, the dealer wants you to win. Yeah. The dealer's happy yeah. if you win. Yeah. Because yeah. no skin off his nose he, and he everyone's happy. He doesn't want you to lose. Yeah. He wants you to win. Exactly. And the thing is, most of the time, that dealer just wants to have an easy day. Yeah. And it's much easier if you're winning. Yeah. Because it's not our money. So if you're winning, cruise your shift. And that's so what I want. It'd be even more so in Vegas because if they're winning, they're more they likely to get tips. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can rock up at any table game. 
and say to the, the dealer, I don't know how this game works. What should I do? Oh, well, if you do this, you do this. And if I've got these cards, what should I do? Well, if you were the house, you'd do this. Yeah. Some of the gamblers, and you, you know, yeah, they'll yeah, help you and yeah, educate exactly. you and try and make you enjoy yourself. Yeah. Because if you yeah. win, they get tips. Yeah, because you know, I, I spent six hours drinking vod- vodka cranberries or whatever, playing <laughs> playing pie gal poker. I'd never played pie gal poker yeah. before. I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing. And admittedly, seventy four percent of hands are a push anyway, so you, yeah, it's yeah, a drinking yeah. game. Yeah. But the croupier was awesome. She helped me with what I should do and how I should spit my cards, you know, the two and five or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, might, I reckon over the course of six hours, I tipped her 200 bucks. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not a high roller. No, you know, yeah. I'm playing penny, yeah. penny pie gal equipment. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but she was awesome. Because also, I think in Vegas, you can I'm have drunk. what's called dealer's <laughs> choice, where on most ones, if you put a chip on the top corner of the box, that means you're actually betting for the dealer. Yeah. So you do that all the time. Yeah. So um, yeah. you say to the dealer, um, you know, when you go to tip, tip the dealer. Are you. Do you gamble? And she'll go, yeah or no. If it's if it's no, you just tip the coin. Yep. If it's yep. a yes, you put it in the corner of the box. So so you're betting. For the, the dealer's deal. got a bet, yep. but they can't let it ride. Right. So right. if you know if I'm betting twenty five dollars on a hand of blackjack yep. and two dollars yep. for the dealer, um, my twenty five might become fifty, and I might yep. let it ride. Let it ride. Yep. The dealer's two dollars becomes four, goes in the drop box. Yep. Right. Or Fair not right. the drop box, the Whatever tip box. Is, yeah. yeah. But you can artificially let it ride if you're being an idiot and giving money away. Well. the... <laughs> Then it's not doubling up, is it? It's quadrupling yes, up. Yes. <laughs> you can do anything at a table. It doesn't matter whether you got caught or not. Yeah. Um, but but I, I love stuff like that. So yeah. you know, playing blackjack and um, um, I get a, a nine and deuce. Yeah. And I'm you know d- double up by by the double next card. Yep. Leave it face down for me. Yeah. No problem. Leave it face down. <laughs> yeah, if I got a crown, leave it face down. I go. No, just turn yeah. it over. But you've given me a four. I want it to sweat. Yeah. Fuck you, motherfucker. No, nah, I used to do it. I used to leave them face down. Yeah, but you're in the mahogany room where yeah. customer service counts. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, I'd always look after the players because I want to have a good time at my table. Yeah. yeah. So I knew I had good rapport with everyone that I work with that if I fuck up, I can cover it myself. And so with players and that, if they want to face down, I'll do a face down. If someone tells me off, they're not going to tell me off too hard because yeah. I have a good rapport with everyone. They know I know what I'm doing. And they so know like, why oh, you're doing yeah. it. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know. I love it face down. Oh, exactly. I, I, I want the added sweat. If, yeah. if their six turns to a six, twelve, eighteen, yeah. I want the sweat. Yep. If their six goes six, ten, twenty-six, six, sixteen, twenty-six, and they throw, yeah. so just leave it down. I don't need to see it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I don't need to see that I turn my yeah. eleven into yeah. a twelve. Twelve. <laughs> the way I look at it, any interaction is good because they're going to stay at your table and they're going to have a good time there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as long as you're interacting with the players, it's better than just getting stonewalled by a dealer. But the thing is that the value they realise the value of personality is irrelevant when you're the only casino in the yeah. in the, in, the Victor- in Victoria. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, but the thing is, uh, yeah. But I prided myself on having good customer service and building rapport with the players, and that was giving everyone a chance. But those that were cunts, I used to love pushing passive aggressiveness to a level <laughs> where I could just you know like this. I mean, this one dude will play when I worked at Adelaide Casino. We'll, it was on Caribbean Stud, and he must have been out to like a show with his missus, kind of old, maybe mid fifties. May, not 60, mid-50s, but yeah. a youngish mid-50s. Had his missus next to him. Um, he was like box one, she was box two. And the thing is, as a dealer, especially in Adelaide, they taught you, you have to control your table. If your table is out of control, pit boss is going to come along and fucking chew your ass out. And if you fuck up, we'll support you in front of everyone, but back of house will tell yeah. you you Which fucked up. Which is the way it should yeah. be. Exactly, okay. exactly. And so then in Adelaide Casino, you couldn't have swearing at the tables and things like that. And... When I worked at Adelaide Casino, which was 2006, I couldn't imagine 2005. imagine without swearing. Yeah. Oh, they get stroppy about it at the poker tables. Do they? Yeah. yeah. Right. Lots of ladies there. <laughs> um, 
Adelaide Casino was the loosest casino on a Friday and Sunday night in Australia. Like, hands down. It was crazy. It got to the point, after really? I left... I've played in Cairns. Oh. <laughs> Cairns isn't big enough to be loose as Adelaide. Because Adelaide, you got, like, quiet spots you can hide and just get up to fucking whatever you want. So, <laughs> Cairns doesn't quite have that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was still in the Caribbean, and the, work, the thing you've got to do is control your table. So, the best thing you can do is be funny. Because... What you got to avoid is groupthink, where if one person's pissed off, they go, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, okay, yeah. the natural environment is them against you. Yeah. So you've got to be uh, personal enough that you can get a couple of people realizing these are all right, you know. And if you're funny, they're not going to be against you. Yeah. So when you're saying something reasonable, they're not going to automatically take the other side. They're going to be like, oh, hang on a second. Maybe you're just being a fuckhead. Okay, so yeah. it's just, you, you divide that groupthink up where it's not them versus me. It's like, I'm here providing you a bit of entertainment and whatever. We're all chatting. But you get people there who are like, I'm the funniest cunt in this building. <laughs> yeah, I've had a few beers. Yeah, sweet. And so anyway, that was this guy. And so he's sitting down at the table. He's carrying on. Come fucking Brenton. Can't give me some fucking trips. I said I can, man, but he can't swear. Hey, you know it's just one of the rules. He said, oh, that's fucking bullshit. Why can't I swear? I said, well, because no one else is. So why are you allowed to? Why makes you the exception, mate? Shit. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was easy. <laughs> Last of one hand. <laughs> so the next hand. Fucking bullshit. I get a, finally get a fucking pair. You finally give me a fucking pair, you cunt. And then you get fucking two pair. Right. Can I just jump in here at this yeah. stage and say, have you ever met the guy who's impersonating? Because we know he couldn't do a Bob Hawke. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just wondering if it was a Vietnamese 27-year-old. <laughs> actually, actually, it could be more opposite. White guy, 55. Something else. And so anyway, he's, he's sitting there carrying on and I'm like, fuck, man, I've got to get control of this shit. And so... um. On Caribbean, because you, the player actually holds the cards, one of the rules is you can't stand up because yep. if you stand up, you can start going away from the table, start yep. doing dodgy shit with the cards. and Yeah, can't leave the edge of the, the yeah. rim of the table. Yeah. So you can lift them up and start yeah. the rim of the table can't be yeah. yeah, And people think that that's a, a bit extreme, but if you've seen how well people can cheat, right. like they're amazing with how quick their hands are, like boom. And that's not uh, a stretch of an imagination that someone could do something to cheat and change cards as quick as just going like... Boom. I mean, any street magician worth his salt can yeah. make cards dance. Yeah. So there's not much just to go... Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, so this guy... He's, it's fucking Silent Bob out of Chasing Amy, isn't yep. it? Yeah. <laughs> he's been giving me shit for like, that's about half an hour. I'm just thinking, I'm just buying my time, just pushing like, you know, giving shit back a little bit, but not too much. And all of a sudden, he's sitting there, he's looking, he's, he's just picked his cards up and he's got a cramp and his driver you're oh, the ones that yeah. fucking hurt and he's going ah! and he stood up and I'm going you can't fucking stand up you can't stand up you can't sell the cars put the cars down put the cars down and he's like ah! Ah! and he's put his cars down and he's standing up and the thing is he starts doing this and he starts going okay so you're doing stretches you're like doing like your hemi stretches or whatever Turns out he flies down. <laughs> Not only that, but he's got no underwear on. And, I've, and the thing is, only I can see it because I'm the one facing all the players. Yeah. So he's sitting up behind them doing this stretching, not looking at me. And I've just gone, oh, put that fucking shit away, man. And he's gone, what, what, what? And then look down. He's gone, oh, shit. And the entire pit has turned around. I watched this dude shake his cock about like this. <laughs> He's come back to the table and just sat down. They're folded. <laughs> he was quiet for next hand. He didn't go like, all in. The best thing was, I let that little silence go for a hand. Yep. Went to his missus, 
Is it cold or? She's <laughs> <laughs> gone. Nah, always like that, mate. Always like that. <laughs> May as well bury him. Yeah. So after that, like, he was sweet. He was my favourite player of the He's like, yeah, he's like you got me, you can't, but all right. <laughs> Good hey, work. Fair place. Yeah, exactly. But that was the thing that I was good at, was being that sort of smart ass, but in the way that it's not demeaning, it's just putting you in your place and making everyone else have a better time. Yeah. You can't have that one person turn everyone on you because you're fucked then. You and got you, nothing. you did it well enough that he didn't want to punch you in the face. Exactly. Whereas, exactly right. And that's a, that's a specific skill. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us could try and do that, just bring him down a little bit and end up getting a punch in yeah. the face. Exactly. So. And it's a bit of a false insecurity. There's a table between you. If you piss someone off enough, they'll come over. And they'll come them. over. Yeah. Same goes with the dealer. Yeah. <laughs> Being many oh, you seen that? Oh, heaps, heaps oh, of really? times. Yeah, like at least I reckon five times I've seen a dealer go out there and the smack someone. Been over the jump. Yeah, and especially the funniest was a roulette table because if you try to see someone crawl over a roulette table, yeah, it's, it's yeah. difficult. It takes a couple, of, a couple yeah. of shuffles, right? It's like two steps around a blackjack table, but or you can like step onto a baccarat table, but a roulette table is hard work. Like you gotta fucking piss someone off a lot for them <laughs> to climb over a fucking roulette table. But yeah, this one Indian dude, this guy was just giving him shit. Like this white guy was giving him shit the whole time. He didn't say a word back, didn't react, didn't nothing. Just after 40 minutes, gets up on the roulette table, bang! Clocks him, fucking walks off the break room. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep, just had enough. Just pushed his buttons too much and that was it. Had enough. Everyone has their limit. Happens all the time. Yeah. Especially with, because um, dealers, I mean, that's what people understand is that dealers are just as dodgy as the players. So yeah, surveillance... still human beings. Yeah. still... Still got the trials and tribulations of life. Exactly. So surveillance watch the dealers just as much as they watch um, the players. Is that still? No, it looks like it's still going. I'm seeing a yellow light usually. It should be green, but it says life. So we'll assume yeah. it's still going. Right. The yeah. other, I was going to jump in. Yeah, the ahead. other Kerry Packer story, whilst I remember, or the Kerry Packer legend, yeah. was, I think, again, playing in one of the casinos in Vegas. Yeah. Um, and he's walked into a blackjack table in the mahogany room equivalent of whichever casino it was yep. and there's uh, a Texan there with the full 10, go- 10 gallon that, 10 gallon hat yeah, yeah let's go with um, that yeah. and Kerry sits down and he's he's betting whatever he's betting so Kerry doesn't bet anymore doesn't want to be you know discourteous yeah. so, you know, yeah. the game's yeah. code but this Texan's got his feet up on the seat on the seat next to him and he's giving it the big I am and being loud and super loud and Kerry Packer's just been super quiet and restrained and obviously the Texan doesn't know who Kerry Packer is yeah. but he's given him the big I am for ages and eventually Kerry Packer says if you don't mind me asking sir how much are you worth and Kerry Packer goes I am I no, yeah, the Texan the Texan sorry the Texan goes I am worth 100 million dollars and Kerry Packer gets a coin out of his pocket and says do you want to flip for it <laughs> it's one of those apocryphal tales that I've heard so many different versions of it and it is I guarantee it's true yeah. Yeah. on some level the details change yeah. all the time but the story's still there well, it's one of those the, great yeah. gambling the, stories the conclusion to the story is that that shut the Texan up yeah. so going back to your ability to, to pull someone down yeah. a bag or two that's yeah. you know, exactly. that's, that's a, pretty a big, level of stuff it's a pretty big dick to pull out yeah. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll flip you for your net worth oh, imagine doing it as a bluff yeah, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> just see what happens. I'd love to bluff that. Ivy's giving it the big I am. I'll sit there. How much are you worth, Ivy? Pre your court case with the casino Oh, you're worth 200 million? How about I flip you for it? That motherfucker. Best bluff ever. That's, that's like uh, basketball. Have you seen basketball? Basketball? Yeah, it's a movie um, by the Zucker Brothers who starred, uh, it starred uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. 
Yeah. You've seen basically yeah, everyone. Yeah. Right at the start, they're yeah, at some party and they're the losers and they're pl- uh, these other two guys that are doing doctorates and in the Summer Olympics and they're taking all the women and they're like, yeah, we'll play in this game. He goes, we'll bet you 50 bucks. I'm like, make it 100. And he goes, dude, we haven't got 50 bucks. We haven't got 100 bucks. He goes, we have 50. What's the matter? <laughs> like, you got to play anyway. You may as well play me. Anyway, it's just that. Uh, there's your, the same bluff. Um, I need to think about pulling that off as a bluff. You, you can try. I mean, who's going to hold you to it? Like, hey, I just won $100 million off you. Like, huh? What are you going to do? Um, I use something. What's the, the most money you've handed over to a single player? Ooh. Well, that's the thing is that, because that's the most most often question you get asked. Yeah, of course. That, and that's one other thing. That's that weird then. Probably if, that's next- some, if, that's, if that's the question you get asked the most, I've never thought to ask that question. I'm more really? interested in, you know, yeah, when you ask the I question. I prefer the little stories When as well, you ask the question now, I kind of went, oh, that'd be interesting. Without thinking, <laughs> tell not, me another Phil Ivey story. It's not interesting at all. <laughs> because okay. the thing is, when you got like, the most is in the private salons and a lot of the people are, the, you get very few individual players coming in junkets. A lot of them, are, sorry, in salons, a lot of them are junkets. So you have people collating their money and especially throughout Asia, you have, um, they call them junker operators. So what they'll do is they'll collate sort of or collect CEOs, more or less, people with money, and say, look, you can put in 10, 15, 20 grand each between eight of you. I can get you a private room in Melbourne, everything paid for, all you, all you have to pay for is gambling, that's it. And so a lot of people will do it as um, business... Um, a tax write-offs almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I know there's, for entertainment. Yeah, exactly. So what they'll do is they'll come there, and you've got lots of different people gambling, and they've all pulled their money before they've actually come to the table. So you don't really understand how much they've won or lost or whatever. But the main thing is that even with individual players is that generally they'll be there before you start and they'll be there after you finish. Right. So you, you don't really know. And they can make, you could give them, let's say, three million bucks over the course of that day. But when I was there, the maximum bet they'd take or the maximum differential on a buck right table was 600000 a hand. And so that $3 million, like you could finish your shift and they could lose that plus another $10 million within half an hour when you right. leave. Yeah. And so... It's very hard to tell how much you've given someone over a long period of time. Oh, yeah. or not. If they're general winners, because you've got to get the supervisors to go back through what they've done yeah. the previous night and how much they actually started off with at the table when you started. And so it's very difficult. But at a guess, in like one session, I'd say the most I would have given someone would have been around eight or nine million in a day. Wow. And that's not bad. The thing is, most I've given someone over uh, a journey that they've stayed here is a lot more than yeah. that. I know that we've, we've been dropping names <coughs> left, right, and center, but there's one name I don't want to drop. So are we talking Mr. Z? Yeah. No, yep. Not that dude. Not that dude. No. Okay. He's not the biggest gambler. He's the most consistent. Okay. So you the one yeah. that lived yes. in Crown? Yeah. 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 Just about. Paid, plus he's paid for his kids' education. Yeah. Well, yeah. Plus they still do. I, I plan on that story being the, the closer. Uh, <laughs> plus they still do when they're in Melbourne locally yep. as well. And plus I like that guy. He's a very, very nice yeah. guy. So maybe we're going to podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good, good luck with that. So it's, it's hard to tell how much they've actually won or lost, but I can tell the story mean, about... It's hard to tell when you're on the table. Oh, yeah, right. when I'm on the table, yeah. Upstairs, yeah. they yeah. know. Once they... Um, they know to the chip. Yeah. Once they've um, reconciled all their accounts, because the hard thing is as well was that the way they get international people to sort of give them incentive to come is they'll actually pay a commission back on every bet that they make. Right. So you have... They call it a program. So that's when you see the CP chips. Yep. It's called commission play. So they get a commission for every bet that they make. That's why they're different to the cash chips. So on a general commission program, for every bet someone makes, they'll get, I think it's point zero zero one back. Does that make sense? Right. Which on a single bet, it's fuck all. 
yeah. these guys are betting six hundred thousand dollars a hand yeah. and staying for months. Yeah. So that adds up pretty fucking quick, like pretty quick. Yeah. And so it's hard to tell if they're betting. And plus, I know that casinos aren't supposed to give credit in Australia. Right. Is that right? Uh, I, 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 I don't know what you're asking me. Because I know it's sort of illegal. Like, you're not allowed to, casinos don't give credit at the same time, in Australia. Like, I mean, like, you don't have ATMs in a casino. Yeah, yeah. So they have them just outside. Yeah. But I mean, the same, you're not allowed to smoke indoors, except in the mahogany room. Yeah. But the thing because, is, even that's dodgy legislation. It's because it has international clients. Yeah. And it's like, well, I can't go to fucking China and go, yeah, we're allowed to um, shit in the middle of the street in Australia. So <laughs> fucking pull the decks down. No, you can't yeah. deal with it. I'm Australian. But Fuck at the same it. time, I, I know Crown's going, hang on, we're going to lose a lot of money. And they go, yeah, you're right. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll make yeah. the exception. Yeah. The, the difference is when you go to China, China's not trying really, really, really hard to exactly. get to visit. Yeah. 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 It's trying yeah. really, really, really hard to get their high rollers to visit. They don't have Crown going to the government. You're going to lose a lot of money if this person doesn't come in the country. Yeah. <laughs> it's very much a different dynamic. Yeah. yeah. But I'll tell a story about the, the craziest deal at Game of Baccarat that I dealt. Okay. The, I've only saw him do this twice. And there's, the thing is, when I was talking about junkets and that, there are a few um, junkets in the world that are the super junkets where they're not just going around trying to collect people to pull their money together. They're getting rich as fuck people and they'll just go there and have fun. So it's almost like, what do they call the... Uh, conglomeration of the CEOs in Australia they've like their own meeting and shit oh, oh. it's fucking no I was going to say the, the builder I can't remember what it is but you know yeah, the club president club or fucking Whatever something like that anyway it's, I'm guessing it's similar to that where these guys are fucking loaded this super junket's called AMA super junket I think and that's okay. been one junket that Crown's been trying to get hold of, get to court for ever since I've been there ever but for whatever reason they just didn't come they're trying to court them not get them to court yeah, trying yeah, to court yeah, them. Yeah, yes. trying to get them over here. <laughs> Very different. They're trying thing. to yeah. woo them, yes. not sue yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah, and You're pretty happy with that wordplay, aren't you? <laughs> it's well done. I'm like Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> For whatever reason, they just didn't want to come. Um, they mainly go Macau, Vegas, Macau, Vegas, and that's what. what Are they, they normally? Is it normally a group of Asians? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All, all Asians. Like I, I've never ever seen a private room for a non-Asian person. Okay, ever. Um, actually, no. Sorry, one. <laughs> I've got a story next actually uh, maybe he got caught in cheating in a fucking very fantastic way um, i tell you what I think I'm more interested in that story alright <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway AMA. anyway uh, so what they did is that they decided to put on a Baccarat tournament but it wasn't the general tournament where you put in X amount of cash and then the winner takes X amount it was actually a tourna- turnover tournament because people with lots of money they're interested in winning you know whatever your fucking 2 million 3 million dollars whatever you're doing so they had it as a turnover, t- t- turnover tournament where whichever player turns over the most in this eight-hour block, they win the money that's been put in. And so this is where it comes down to being fucking ridiculous was right. that the buy-in was originally a million dollars initially. We had a, a capped at a maximum of $8 million. Okay. Crown put up $1 million prize money. Okay. So, so they've thrown in a, the, the wild turkey bonus is a million yeah. bucks. But the thing is, you're not getting the other people's million bucks. No. No. You're getting Crown's million bucks yeah. and like 300000 from every other person. And um, what they did is, because Crown owned the Perth Casino as well. And so what they got some couple of salons there. So they had uh, these incredibly rich people in salons in Perth and in, uh, in Melbourne. And so you had two players in Perth and you had five players in different salons in Melbourne. Right. So everyone in individual salons. And what it was, was whoever could turn over the most money in the eight hours yeah, would yeah. take that, that pot. And you'd have two-hour blocks. So you'd have two hours, and <coughs> then you'd have a break. And there was only two tables in a room. And so 
in my room, I had this one guy and he was, didn't speak any English and he had his offsider with him. He was some really young chick. And what he'd do is that if you've ever seen Baccarat, they take a scorecard and try and predict what's going to happen based yeah. on the scores they're taking. Irrelevant, doesn't mean anything, but yeah. that's just what they do. Makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, so he had his offsider going to the table that he wasn't playing at and setting up a shoe to a point where he was happy to bet on that one. And then he'd come across and he'd just slam it. And um, he was just sweating. And the thing is, obviously it's turnover, so you've got to do quick hands. To bet quickly. Quick hands. So, so he wasn't doing the typical sweat in the car, yeah, squeeze, no, squeeze no, in the car. just deal, deal, faster, faster, faster. And I'm sitting here like going, passing them out. He's like, face up, face up. I'm like, he's like, faster, 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 faster. And I'm like, I can't do any faster. faster, How much a hand is he? Putting on at this stage. Oh, the maximum on this one was 400k a hand. So this guy... And this he, is all to win a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing um, is... It's, it's bragging rights. It's competition against wow. all these other rich people. So the million bucks is irrelevant. It's just the fact Crown that you beat other people. made a mozza. Yeah. Well, kind of. <laughs> okay. and so every two hours to have an update on the screens. Um, we had a screen in our salon. Every salon had a screen. But you didn't have live updates because they didn't want just everyone betting the max straight away because, you know, it's the point of the competition. Yep. And um, so... At uh, each end of the two-hour block, you get an update. And we're doing the first one, and we see our update. My player's turned over, like, I think it was $3 million or something. Uh, he's coming second. The, the next player's turned over $4 million or something like that. And we're like, oh, yeah, fair enough. Then our player just goes on tilt. He's just sweating, and he's just faster, faster, faster. And he's, like, even got the person who set up hands just to start betting hands on the other right. side. Going just crazy. And so we get to the next block, and we're like, our guy must be fucking killing it. Like, he yeah. must just be way ahead. And anyway, nope, not winning. All right, sweet. So that goes on for the rest of the day. And we get the final result and we look at it and we're like, all right, our guy's got to fucking smoke this. Like, it's got to have it in the bag. I've never seen anything like this. We look at the end result. The winner turned over $26.5 million in that little, all those two-hour blocks, yeah. eight hours, whatever. And like, we know our players is like $17 million or something. Right. And I'm just sitting there, when we're thinking... How the fuck could someone have bet that much money? Yeah. Like, how the fuck could he have beaten our guy who was just slamming it flat out? So what they did, obviously he won it. So the next that night they flew him from Perth to Crown and gave him his own saddle on there. Yep. So the next day I was dealing with the guy who actually won the tournament. Yeah. And I was like, all right, so we get to see who this guy is. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Yep. He was the fucking coolest dude. I've like one of the coolest high rolls I've met. I can't remember his name, but he had slick grey hair, some big square glasses, and he just sat at the back of our table like this with a cigar. Just cross-legged sideways. The cigar, yeah. And his first bet was a hundred thousand dollars, and he had like his offsider. He'd give the commission, yep. so you'd he'd put his bet out, and you'd pay to his offsider. His offsider yep. would take care of everything else. So he's put his bet out. First bet, hundred thousand dollars. Win or lose, every single bet after that, four hundred k flat. Yep. He just happened to hit a winning streak and took crown for fucking heaps right. <laughs> through that tournament because obviously they're playing for their own money. It's not tournament chips. Yeah. It's cash chips. It's cash. So he's won that million bucks from crown Plus and another. fucking just cleaned him up in the process. Well, another 10 by a chance. If he's turned over 26 million, he's yeah. probably up a good, you know. Exactly. So I'm looking at this dude going, that's why you won. Because <laughs> you're the richest motherfucker that just doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. Like You just wow. go, what's the maximum? All right, 100,000. And the thing is, he wasn't free hands. He was just... Every hand, 400, 400, 400, and he didn't flinch. Didn't do a single yeah. thing except sit there, chat, smoke a cigar, 400. Yeah, just 400. wanted to say I was just, back. Oh, didn't give you. a fuck. Did not give yeah. a fuck. I, like, they're my favorite people to deal to because they're not cunts. They're just like, eh, yeah, what do I care? This is what they're doing. Yeah. So I remember dealing to the owners of the Hong Kong Bank as well. I think they're is that the HSBC, that one? 
No. Uh, that was the one that got in a lot of trouble recently. Well, when I say what we're talking about with uh, they were laundering money for Mexican drug cartels. Ridiculously amounts. Yeah. When I say a lot of trouble, I mean a piss and amount of trouble. Yeah, I mean, no one's in jail. Yeah. No one's jail. Fuck that. But they got a fine. You got a fine, yeah. Less yeah. than, yeah. Don't do it again. Yes. Please. <laughs> yeah. Let us do it, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I shall look contrite in front of the cameras. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of that, I remember one time in the salon, it was in the tea room salon, I actually had, because there was this one real shifty crew that were in there. And the tea room salon, like, anyone knows the old tea room, there were some big double doors there that led to, to, to a salon, which was really weird because it was out of the way, completely away from Mahogany Room, and all salons are staffed by Mahogany Room. Yep. Even Club 23 staffed by Mahogany Room just because it's in that area. And so what they actually had for a while there was these people, and what they do is they play Baccarat, but they allowed them to have a computer at the table, and they are playing by a phone link to someone. <laughs> to someone. Right, I had no idea who the person is, but for whatever fucking reason, and I'm sure we can all probably guess because it's making money out of it, yep. is that they let these people come in and yeah, play the computer and talk on the phone, and the person on the phone is placing bets. They're just physically putting them on the layout. And so yeah. one so or two things. It's thing, like having a monkey at an auction for you. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Compl- like, I thought highly illegal, you know what I mean? Because that person could be 14. You know, could be whatever. And... But for whatever reason, they were like... in jail. Yeah, exactly. That was my assumption. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever reason, they was like, we'll just stick him in the tea room salon and they can just have that one. Yeah. And so for, for the best part of the year, this crew was holed up in there. And um, what they do is they get um, just people from China who, they didn't know them, but they put an ad there who are looking to travel and they say, we'll pay for your expenses to go to Australia. You get to free everything. You get to stay in High Rollers Room and Casino. You've got to place the bets for us at X, X time, whatever. Cool story if you're a young person, yeah. whatever. But the thing is, when you're a young person who's got no care for money and all of a sudden someone's giving you a fuck ton and said, you go gamble for me in another country, shit goes awry. You know? <laughs> yeah, temptation must be yeah. immense. And so these, this, whoever's betting on the phone, whoever was the one that would call up and bet on the phone, had a very strict structure with how he would bet. Where he started off with like, say, 1,200, you know, 2,400, played a double-up system. Yeah. But as soon Martingale. as... Uh, what's it called? The Martingale. Martingale, yeah. yeah. As, soon as, as soon as he'd, he'd win whatever his quote was, which I'm guessing was two to one, he'd ask for a new shoe, which you're allowed to do in the private rooms, whatever, yeah. new shoe, new shoe. So his bets would very rarely get over 50, you know, 60K. It's very rare. Like, it, only if he's on a losing streak, which obviously would happen every now and then. But um, what would happen is that after a while, um, the visa run out, so they had to change people. But then some people got changed earlier. We're like, right. something, something's going on here. And then we've been in the salon one time and the guy's on the phone and they've been there for a while. So we know what how this guy's betting, even though he's not physically there. We know what his bets are, how he bets, everything. So as a dealer, that's really good because you can anticipate how the game's going to go and you don't have to concentrate at all. I'm yep. thinking about what I'm doing after work. I'm thinking about what I do on the weekend. It's anything just, but the game. It's just wrote. Yeah. And then I'm like, all right, this guy's he's got his quota now. That's the hand done. I'm sitting there and like, the guy puts out another bet, like a big bet. I'm looking at it going, it's not that guy's bet. You sure? Yeah. yeah. You sure like, you want to do you know, that? There's no phone. I'm like, this cunt's just put out yeah. his own little bet trying to make something on the side. The thing is, as a dealer, we don't know that. We're not allowed yeah. to assume that knowledge. And so yes. I'm looking at it going, physically, literally, I have to deal with his hand. Yeah. So I'm looking at it going, this is all right. So I deal the hand. He loses. Oh. 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 This is this, oh, is, this is Nick Leeson. Yeah. And I'm, Nick I'm just Leeson. looking him in the eye going, really, dude? Like, really? Really? And he's looking at me. He's just looking straight back at me. No more bets? Oh, you're waking in. He's losing. 
he's losing like all this boss's money. And now he's chasing. He doesn't know, and now he's chasing. So what had happened was that they were giving these guys money, and it wasn't this guy only who was losing the table. They would go into the other rooms and just fucking lose all this guy's money that he won in the salon for whatever scam he had going on over the other tables. Right. And so eventually these people just kept going missing, kept on getting changed out. We're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Whatever. And we don't know this for sure, but after that, a, a group came in and had the same salon, requested the same salon that they were in. These right. guys had cleaned up. They crowned a knocked on the head because shit, obviously they could see this isn't good. Yeah. Like shit's it's not right healthy. Here. Yeah, knock on the head. And we had this group in and... One of the dealers in there, he spoke Cantonese, which these guys were talking. <clears throat> and I, I still remember, on, the dude was sitting on the couch, and according to the guy who spoke Cantonese, was ordering a shipment of arms on the couch from the crown, from the salon. And like, he said to me, like, on the break, he's like, he ordered a gun. I'm like, what? He's bought a gun. He's like, no, 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 no. Guns. I'm like, what? He's like, 40. I'm like, fucking Jesus. <laughs> like, shit. <laughs> So apparently, like, hardcore, whatever the fuck they're doing, man, he's coming just to see what actually happened. And we're like, dude, just whatever you do, man, don't fuck up with this cunt. Wow. <laughs> he's yeah. trying to scrape that. I don't speak that language. Exactly. It's yeah. not scraping it off his fucking yeah. tag. Because there's very few people where everyone likes to think they're generally hard in a casino. Everyone likes to think they're pretty tough and they're important. But there are some people where you know 100% these guys are legit. Yep. It does not matter. You're a fucking dealer. You're in Australia. You're yeah. anything. Like, do not fuck with this guy. <laughs> and there are, if you like, a very few... People like that who are legit. Don't, well, actually, the main other one that I remember was um, I was dealing in Maple Room, which is that the money laundering pit, the laundry. Um, <laughs> I'll call that laundry from now on. And I see this dude walk in. He's got like slick black hair, back in a ponytail, gold grill, and like <laughs> would have been at least 6'2", jacked, and yeah. tattoos fucking everywhere. When I say everywhere, I mean all over his hands, face, everything. And if you go into pit eight, the very first table was the hundred dollar table, which is the high limit table, which very rarely had action on it. And I'm sitting on that one. If you're on that one, you're like, sweet, I've got a pretty cruisy hour, hour and twenty, whatever my break may yeah. be. And, and why is no one ever on that table? Just because it's a higher limit. And the thing okay. is, it's irrelevant because if you go to any other table, these you bet no hundred bucks anyway. Yeah, but that's just but it's, for whatever reason. But, yeah. but it's next to the door. You don't want to be next to the door. Yeah, exactly. If I'm, if I'm going through a special entrance, I want yeah. to keep yeah. going and keep on going. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And so I see this dude walking in. I'm looking at him going, fucking hell, don't come here. Don't come here. Just walks over, doesn't sit down, just stands up. He's got blue chips. So he's got $1,000 chips. Yeah. He's got three of them, just put them down. It's like, fuck. All right, shit. And he doesn't sit down, so you're like, all right, well, that's never good. <laughs> At least sit down, you know, your eye level, you can talk to him, you can sort of start building a rapport with him, you know what I mean? But okay. when it's up high and down low, it's very difficult to sort of... So dealers don't like people to stand at the table, they much rather they sat down? I don't. Personally, I don't. It wasn't anything they were taught, but for me personally, <coughs> building rapport with people, it's much better if you're eye level, you can sit down and, and talk with them. Um, and so you can tell this guy, he's all business, like no one to fuck around with. And so I'm like, fuck, I hope this kind of wins. So, <laughs> dealing out, losers, like... Put it down. Please don't break my he's, finger. Yeah, he's looking at me, just deadpan, just more. Five grand. It's like, fuck it, just another table, man. Like, another table. <laughs> Jesus. One hand. Loses them. It's like, fuck, shit. Anyway, the next one was like eight grand. Took that, and he just walked off the next table. Did not say a word, did not crack a smile, nothing. The next day, he was the centerfold in the Herald Sun, calling him the Saigon Tiger. Christine, fucking, what's the name? Christine, the old head of police. Uh, Nixon? Nixon, Nixon yeah. yeah, had banned him from the casino because apparently he, his nickname was a Saigon Tiger. He came from Vietnam, and he had like thirty six murders or something. And, wow! And they let him gamble in the casino and get a visa in Australia. And it was up to her who went. Cops are following him around, and he's coming in, clean all his money through your fucking casino. 
you guys are loving him. Yeah. So we're just going to put a ban on him because they're the only people that can put a ban on anyone in a casino besides right. a casino or besides a, a self-exclusion. And so they ban you afterwards. And I'm looking at it going, holy shit, man. That guy was way <laughs> wow. more legit than I, than I knew. Yeah. Is, uh, is it a funny? And they'll ban Snoop Dogg because he smokes pot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you said you are going to tell the story about the only white dude in the salon. Oh. <laughs> All right. So the only white dude I've ever known in a salon, he'd come in around Melbourne Cup. So hang on. Do you any of you have a story? Because I've got a piss. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we can make one up about poker. <laughs> I, I, um, it's the thing that always shocks me when I'm watching some of the big poker players is the just disregard for the amount of money they're carrying around. Well, that's why they're good. And that's why they have chips. Not, not playing at the table, but just for walking around. So, yeah, I, yeah, a, so a, a saw, paper bag full yeah, of... So Antonius walked through um, the food court with 50k worth oh, of chips. I, I was with you. He, yeah, that's when possibly. I saw... Uh, he was with uh, David Benjamin. Oh, right, okay. He had a, uh, a rack full of... Fucking flags. Yeah, flags, yeah. Patriotic betting yeah. tokens. Um, the other one I remember is when they had the high-stakes cash game one year um, up in Studio 3, which is the TV studio, yep. and going up there to rail it for half an hour. And Jungleman came in. Yep. Uh, Dan Cates. And he sits down at seat 8 or whatever it is, and he's got... You know, if you go to Foot Lock or a, you know, a sports shop and you buy... Uh, a pair of shoes you get it in this sort of drawstring bag oh uh, yes yep, yeah. yep. he's got like a drawstring carrier like a bag a tote or something yeah, yeah something like that and he puts it under his seat and he sits down and he goes oh fuck I need chips so he roots, roots around under his chair trying to roots around under his chair trying to find this bag again stumbling around finds it uh, which he's just sort of slung under his chair picks yep. it up pulls out bricks yeah. of cash it's about two hundred and forty thousand dollars just pulling it out of his bag. Yeah. And this is, as I say, it's a little drawstring shoe bag that he's slung under his chair that could be anywhere. Now, um, I said before that Joker Poker and Hip Hop Poker were the worst shows ever. Yeah. High Stakes Poker was the best poker show. I'm still convinced it was the best poker show ever. The uh, Full Tilt sponsored one? Or? Uh, was it, it was Poker Stars in the end. I okay. Think sponsored. So this was the one with Gabe Kaplan? Yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, on commentary. And Gabe was excellent. And he sat in the game on one occasion as he well. He did. And he, yeah. he played brilliantly because he was funny. Now, I think the final season was all PokerStars player and Norm MacDonald was the um, uh, commentator. Okay, I reckon Norm was rightly funny, but it was ruined because all the regulars weren't there. Um, but that was the best game. And I think one of the best decisions they ever made was to not have the big chips. They had the bricks. The bricks, bricks of cash because yeah. yeah. that's that's an yeah. impressive visual yeah. and the guys are just bang you know I, I and even, the used to always take bad beats he, he was he had the worst luck on that show yeah. ever mm-hmm. um, there was but, one where he'd had the boat and um, um, was it Gus Hansen I've got a feeling it was had, Patrick Antonius had rivered the quads yeah, yeah. that's like the famous YouTube yeah. hand yeah I, I'm, I'm nearly sure it was Patrick Antonius did him out of a $900,000 pot and they, oh, no, that might be a different one because they ran it three times and he won all three or something stupid like no, that. Yeah. No, they, they, no, they ran it four times. He won three out of four. Was it? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it was one of those you know, um, memorable moments. Um, just changing the subject slightly on the front of poker. Um, on the occasions I've played in Vegas, I always felt super baller to, to have bills on the table. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and every time I came back, I'd always tweet Crown and say, 
got them, allowed bills to play because yeah. it's Super Baller and they'd always tell me fuck off I'm an idiot uh, <laughs> <laughs> and carry no sway whatsoever I say, and by tell you to fuck off you mean ignore you 100% ignore you yeah, actually, if, they'd re- if they'd actually acknowledge me by telling me fuck off it's um, but the Bellagio and the win and the Venetian and so on you'd have your stack of three or four or five hundred but you'd get bills behind yeah. so yeah. people you don't have to change up the bills all the time so there's one occasion I'm playing in the area and I've run well and I've got about two and a half K which includes about a thousand dollars of bills yeah. and it, it feels fucking awesome yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's only hundred dollar bills no twenties or fifties obviously fifties are unlucky yeah. it's just the hundreds but earlier this year they um, changed the laws so really? Bill's no longer play in Vegas. Oh, really? really? So you can't get that thrill anymore. Yeah, and I yeah. think it was something to do with um, people paying taxes and not paying taxes because you don't have to no, convert yeah. it. And it's difficult to track how much um, money players may be making yeah. Yeah. if they've been legit and paying, paying proper taxes. Yeah. But the fact that it wasn't playing Bill's anymore just took away one of those just yeah, that, thrills. Little, yeah. Yeah, it's almost one of those little fantasy things that you appreciate about going to those places where it's like, I know this is irrelevant, but it makes you feel like back in the day, smoke yeah. a cigar, something like that, get a neat, neat single malt scotch or something. It's that, um, uh, the, the romanticism yes, in, yeah, in your own mind. Yes. And yeah. I know, you know, Negreanu and Antonius and Ivory are chucking in bricks, uh, uh, bricks of cash that are like mm. as wide as your forearm, and I'm feeling bored about chucking in single bills. Yeah, but... Yeah. but it yeah. still felt baller. It's that experience. And that's what uh, you're going there for. You talk about smoking the cigar at the table. There was, um, I played at a couple of casinos in the Philippines on one occasion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and one of them, you're allowed to smoke at the table. Yeah. Now, I'm a smoker. You were fucking hog heaven. Poker and smoking. I could yeah. put the two together. I didn't need to walk away to have a cigarette. Yeah. I thought, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> I hated it. Yeah. Absolutely hated yeah. it. Yeah, really? Um, yeah. yeah, I was really quite shocked at myself. Um, fundamentally hated it. Yeah. That was also the place, actually, talking of the Philippines. Well, where one of the casinos I went into to play poker, you had to walk through an airport-style um, security detector. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a big sign there saying, please leave your guns, knives, and other deadly <laughs> weapons at the cloakroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's quite hardcore here. It's yeah. the only place I've ever played poker where I ran well for the first half an hour and thought, I better fucking lose this back. Oh, but yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right, man. Yeah. Uh, like... Because there's heaps of fillers that work in casinos. Like you right. actually don't see many filler gamblers in there. Maybe a couple here and there, but heaps of fillers work there for whatever reason. Um, <coughs> but I remember I used to date a fillo chick, and um, I, uh, I was supposed to go back with her, with her and her dad to the Philippines. And even he goes, "Man, I've killed someone in the Philippines. It's not safe for you to go back there with me. Trust Dumb. me." Wow. <laughs> That's when they were having they were having an election at that time as well. Apparently, yeah. there was huge uproar or whatever protest going on and he's down from the I think it's the south where the islands are and yeah that's where yeah. we were in Cebu yeah but you're the terrorists that live on the islands, islands yeah. or whatever the fuck they are and so he's like he's like mate I don't care like, I ain't going back there and I fucking kill people over there so <laughs> you ain't going there man not with my daughter yeah, like, done <laughs> yep. so yeah so I can see it's a place where it's all good to win and make a few friends but I wouldn't want to win too much there I am sure it is not as dangerous as my wide-eyed white boy eyes see it as being. Yeah, definitely. But still, I'd rather play safe than sorry. I, I say, yeah. There are some bluffs you call. Yes. Some, you, know, <laughs> you know what? If you're bluffing, you've got it. Yeah, there's yeah. a bluff I'm not it, making. It reminds me, and I, I don't want to go too deep into it because it's somebody else's story, but um, Bert Kreischer, who tells yeah. the, the, the Machine story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll explain this later. Um, but he's uh, gambling on pool in Russia. 
and he's the American who doesn't speak much Russian, and he's carrying on, and he, his uh, his minder has gone. Okay, time to lose. Like, <laughs> we, we want to get out of here alive. Oh, wow. You're the loud American winning money. Time to lose. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so the white guy in the salon. Oh yeah. Um, the only white guy I've seen in a salon. He used to come every Melbourne Cup period, so I assumed he had something to do with Horses. racing, racing yeah. or some whatever. But as I said, where the interstate international players will get commission back on every bet that they make. That's why you have CP chips. Um, he'd play CP chips, but for whatever reason, he'd have a table by himself and then let him bet both sides. So remember when I said that you have a differential yeah. um, where it might be 200 grand. So he might bet 400 grand on banker and then bet 600 grand on player. Why yep. would you not just bet 200 grand on player? Well, that's what, I, that's what we thought. And I was thinking the only reason I could think of was uh, because you get the CP chips and you get the extra turnover. But the thing is, if you've got six hundred grand to bet to, bet, to begin with, the extra turnover is yeah. minimal. Ain't important. Yeah. Drop Plus, commission, yeah. if, if Banger comes up, you've got more out there that you're going to get commission taken off of. So you kind of shoot yourself in the foot, really. But anyway, they let him go about his business and he'd do all right here and there. You know, might win, might lose. Um, bet flat out for the Melbourne Cup weekend. Then you wouldn't see him for 12 months. Yep. One year, this is maybe after five years that I've worked there, starts coming in and out of Melbourne Cup. We're like, yeah, whatever, whatever, cool. And plays a salon, but starts playing a bit differently. Playing both sides, but more often playing just one side, whatever. And then all of a sudden he's asked for, because if you're a, a VIP salon player, you can pretty much get whatever you want. Yeah. You want a table on the main floor, they'll give you, like one of our best players who mentioned before, he wanted a table in Club 23. So they gave him a fucking 300K differential backright table in Club 23. So you get whatever you want. So he's wanted a table on the main floor of main floor. Sorry, when I say main floor, main floor mahogany. Yep. So the main floor mahogany, he's got a table in his own little salon, which is in Crown Towers, and he's got a salon on the main floor. Well, that seems not too sus because you have players different luck and they want to try out salons everywhere else. There's nothing really weird about that. Superstition and gambling sort of yeah. runs hand in hand. But generally, players don't, change patterns very much. Yeah. They might try something they'll go back to what they're comfortable with, what they know. Yeah. It's very rare you'll see a, a gambler change his straps, more or less. And all of a sudden, he's making his home in the casino. Like, even bought a skateboard, electric skateboard, that has a remote control that he can scoot around on and not have to walk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, shit like that. Yeah. And so... Okay. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? what would, it gets you to thinking, with, if you had that kind of sway, what kind of outrageous things would you do? Would I you have to consider it. Right. Yeah, Exactly. And so... It's like riders for fans, right? Yeah. So I already know because um, (laughs) I've only been to a strip club twice and one was my Bucks night and the other one was my brother's Bucks night. Um, And I don't know, I think I was just jaded, but you you got those tipping dollars, the one in Sydney, and you know... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone's like, you know, make us shake it to make us sit on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, let's see if you can do a handstand. All right. <laughs> let's see who can do the best Rick James impersonation. And then I started asking trivia questions. <laughs> That's how I was giving out my tips. So I'd be doing stupid shit like that. <laughs> anyway, That's how you so. strippers suck your dick. <laughs> I want strippers to do hands Because <laughs> I need somewhere to hold me beer. Because <laughs> I don't have a bottle opener. <laughs> no, so I started asking trivia questions. And, uh, were you, you, were you Did they actually bucks? try and answer them? Yeah, was like, no. Yeah, no. Was, no. Did they look you weren't at mine. Uh, Josh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Josh was there. Um, it took me three strippers until I got somebody to, to actually do a Rick James impersonation properly. <laughs> actually, I think I just started working casinos when your Bucks party was on. That's why I couldn't come. We're talking 05? Yep. Yeah, there yep. you go. That's exactly when I started. There you go. 05. Yeah, there you go. So I know what I'll be doing. I, I'll be asking trivia questions and about movies that came out in the 90s. And- <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that brings us back to the, the only white guy... The, in the ever played a salon, yeah. played a salon with his electric that, skateboard. That's now not in a salon. It's now not in Crown at all. <laughs> um, so all of a sudden, he starts playing weird, like playing on different tables all around the building, more or less. So different salons, because you got salons all around Crown, more or less. like you got top level of um, Crown Towers. You got salons there. That's pit in ninety, ninety one, ninety two, ninety three. I think ninety four. I don't know. Fucking, they've added more. It was 90 and 91, but they've got like a 93 and 94 or something like that. And you've got what used to be the Crystal Club, where if you look at Crown Tower, you see those big double glass um, Mm -hmm. windows. That used to be Crystal Club. And they got tables in there with a salon on that level, but not from those windows. And then you've got ones through the main building that are on ground level. So they spread out. And that's become important later. So I'm explaining that. Um, So anyway, he starts playing really weird, betting like that, and coming in when he just never used, used to come in. And he started winning. And that's the first thing that someone's up, especially if you spend a lot of time at a casino, as soon as you start winning, they know it's luckily you're cheating. It's one of the two. And right. it's very easy to tell the difference between the two. And so they want to know how, but they know something's up. Yep. Just by coincidence, where that crystal club is and where the sellers connect, a dealer happened to be going on a break, happened to see this guy outside of his salon walking down towards the crystal club on his mobile phone. He was looking at the ceiling and he goes, how can't you see me now? How can you not see me? Ah. And so the dealer's gone, well, yeah, no, no, that's sus as fuck. There's only one person you're doing if you're looking yeah. at the ceiling yeah. and, and you're talking. Exactly. And so she was a very experienced dealer, a very upfront, honest, and very good dealer. And she's gone to a pit boss and gone, just seeing old mate. And the thing is, he was pretty good friends with people yeah. like casinos, a builder, poor people. He's like, I've seen him on his phone staring at the ceiling talking. Yeah. And said what's happened. They've gone, hang on a second, all right. <laughs> and so they they've obviously they don't tell him they just look at what yep. he's doing and um sure, sure enough go back and look at it yep talking to the ceiling um yeah talking it so happens that he'd made a friend who just happened to work in surveillance at Crown yeah. and the thing is whenever you play Baccarat your cards come out in a clear plastic box and they've got like a tag in there that's a break seal so it can't be interfered with yeah and how they get in that box is that there's a shuffle room and obviously, the cards from Crown come from a manufacturer overseas. Brendan, this is sounding very like the, some of the accusations that were slung at Phil Ivey um, Phil. For, for the London Casino. That was slightly different, I think. It was the edge sorting, but they'd set up the decks beforehand and sealed yeah. and put out the Phil's shuffle was room. different, but Phil did cheat at Crown. I can get into that one later. So. 
Wow. Okay. So yeah. Um, so this one, he's made a friend in surveillance, and when these cards come out in their box, they've got a shuffle room. So the cards originally come in a, a cardboard box from the manufacturer in China, yeah. and you get like a pallet of them, the pallets of them at a time, whatever. Because in Baccarat, you squeeze the cards, you bend them, you can screw them up, you can fucking spit them at the dealer if you want. Yeah. And they happen lots of times. Which is part of the attraction. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's very common for the players to rip the cards as yeah. they're looking at them. Yeah. 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 And um, so they get thrown out. And so what they do as a means of productivity, they actually stop the dealers from shuffling at the table. And they just have them straight from the, sh- from the card room yeah. onto the table, out of the box, because you save seven seconds doing that. And yeah. over a year, that makes you $30,000 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what they're doing. But there's surveillance cameras in those shuffle rooms because dealers are there with cards. So yeah. there's a... a sort of onus of responsibility on making sure that the integrity of your games is, yeah. is still there. When these cards, because what happens is these shuffle machines, they're big black boxes and they're set with different wheels inside. So different wheels will shuffle the cards in a different order and it's random on which wheel they'll choose on each yep. box. So that's how you get that. When you get those six to one shufflers on mm. um, the blackjacks, yeah, yeah, the same same deal. So if you actually get that wheel, you can tell how the cards will come out based on what, what's going on. Yep. But each one has different wheels. So a lot of times they'll change the wheels over between machines. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, you put the cards in face down one side and you attach the box to the machine, but they split the cards out face up. Yeah. So yep. if you, camera's in surveillance room. And so all that happened was that he would, the person in surveillance had all the access to these um, shuffles. So if he had that footage, he could slow it down yep. and see every card coming out one by one. One wow. by one. But the thing is, he, the person in surveillance knows how the cards are moved from the card room and where they go. Yep. And obviously, with a building that's so big, you have card little caches all over the building. And so what he did was that he had a salon on each area of the building that had a cache of those cards. So that no matter where those cards went, he'd have a good chance of coming across it at some point. Yep. When the first card came out, he was able to know which well, you can see shoe the it was. Yeah. Yeah, so he'd look at like a small section. So it's usually like 10 to 15 cards, I'm guessing. And then after that, you're like, this is the deck. Yep. This is the one. We know this one for sure. And um, so then you start slamming it. You start winning. As soon as you start slamming like that and winning, it's sus as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Sus as fuck. And what, what gave him away was that he never, ever held a shoe. Never held a shoe. And what, what that means is that if you're a high roller player, you've got your own private table. If you're halfway through a, a, a Baccarat hand, what you can do, you can say, look, I'm done playing for tonight, but I really like this shoe. Yeah, hold so it. hold the shoe. Yeah. What they actually do, they've actually got a, a Perspex container that they can place around the whole shoe with another one of those brake clips on there yeah. so that they can maintain the integrity while having no one at that table um, overnight or whatever when that person wants to come back. And he'd never done this. And it was on, it just happened, it was on the main floor of mahogany and one of the tables. And you never see someone hold a shoe on the main floor of mahogany. You sit there and you'll play it out or you'll whatever. But he wants to hold it because he wants to go there and work out what's yeah. going to come up. Mm-hmm. And so they've gone, this is weird as fuck. This isn't right. And so there are always little flags that were going up yeah. sort of on his record where not, you know, different... Because whenever boss, Pit Boss finishes a shift, they'll do a player report and it will be how you're gambling, what you've done in your shift, you know, just general comments because yeah. you can build a profile on someone just from general comments. It's like quantitative data. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that's what they'll do. And when things like this stick out of the ordinary, they're looked at. And so they've looked at it and gone, all right, something's not right here. Yeah. And it just so happened, because that dealer made an offhand comment to one of the pit bosses saying, I saw something weird about this guy. And generally, it's, staff will never... It's one of those things you've got... 
10 coincidences yeah. and then yeah. that one piece goes, all right, yeah. now it makes sense. Yeah. And even like further than that, you've got to find someone who works there that actually gives a fuck. Yeah. Because most people go, yeah, cool, man. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> okay, man. It's the same. It's fucking good luck to you. Whatever. And so it just happened. All these things lined up and you got busted and you're like, got banned forever. But that's one of the most clever ways I've found of cheating yeah. is that to get someone in surveillance and get the Baccarat cards, but you got to be smart what, about it. What about the person in surveillance? Oh, they're fired. Yeah. Fired. Is got it just sued. fired or is it through the courts? They'll go, go, they'll go through the courts, but generally in people in those situations, it's very hard to get your due, they call it remittance or fucking whatever it is out of them because generally they've got fuck all anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? You, you can't so, sue them for 100 million if they've only yeah, got five bucks. You're not going to try and get exactly. recompense, but yeah. you, it, I'm just wondering about the legalities and if it ever right. results in a jail term or if it's a, you can't gamble in Melbourne anymore. Very rare, very rare. The thing is, like, there's probably many considerations to why I don't know exactly why, but I haven't heard it. Like, like I said, dealers are just as dodgy as the players. I know lots of people that have cheated. Like, personally, I know them as friends and that. It's just mm-hmm. whatever happened, they've had a tough time and cheated and stolen chips or whatever. Hate people. Never heard of anyone going to jail. I'm um, assuming. Probably not worth crowns. Um, not the effort, but the, Crown the probably PR. don't want Time. the PR. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They don't want it all over the paper. The exactly. dealers have been cheating. Yeah. It's, can be so as long as it doesn't come up on a podcast or anything like Look, that, they're cool. That being, that, being, <laughs> that, that being said, what they can keep away from the papers is fucking amazing. Yeah. I sort of do get stabbed with a glass, like literally stabbed <laughs> with a broken glass. I don't know if he died. I've got no fucking <laughs> idea. But you look at that, when you see that, you're like, that's serious. Like, that's, like this dude might die. Yeah. Nothing news. Didn't hear shit. Nothing. You know what I mean? It's in a public area of Crown. It's like, how the fuck do they control this shit? Well, I remember well, you, I know you, earlier on this podcast, you said you were speaking about Warney and Fev. Yeah. Um, there was a story of when Fev woke up in the papers one morning with a big fuck off black eye cut yeah. above his eye, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and that was, the rumour was that was entering one of the lifts at Crown and um, giving the bouncers a bit of jip. Um, and he might have been hit by a handheld walkie-talkie radio. Yep, Pro- probably true. The thing is, Crown have their own gym there. Um, it's usually starts, opens at four, closes at midnight, I think. Yeah. So kind of like a health thing, like you get discounted membership, whatever. Pretty much a little haven for steroids, more or less. <laughs> so you get some security guards jacked up on steroids, and obviously you've seen in the media how well they've done. That being said, <laughs> that being said, there are some excellent security guys there. Some really, really good people who have that that sense of mind to know when people or how to tell people you're having a bit too much fun. Here's one of the inside tips that you gave me that I shared to Duncan: is that if you're ever worried about your parking your car yeah. at Crown, you go to the, the what's it called the um, the Six big car park. <laughs> yeah, the what do they call that? The fucking the layered car park, the tower. Oh, story. The multi-story yeah, car multi-story, park, yeah. go park up the top. Yep. You're not undercover, but that's where all the security guards park their cars, and yep. that's where we'll get paro- uh, patrolled the yep. most. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, if, yeah, if you, if you got like a nice hot car that is likely to get stolen from Crown Car Park, <laughs> park it on the top level um, because, yeah, that's where... It gets watched the most. Yeah, and also because staff are allowed to park in Crown during the week, but they're allowed to park from level six downwards. So when level six is full, then you start going level five right. or whatever. Weekends, they're not allowed to, except security. Right. But the play, uh, most staff don't give a fuck anyway. Yeah. So what are they going to do? They're going to check everyone's license plate. They've yeah. got more shit to do than that. So generally, all the staff are on level six, so park your car there because they will do um, walk-arounds there. <laughs> but I heard, um, I, I think this might have been second-hand originally from yourself, about um, some of the restrictions on Crown staff 
um, and not drinking before working, obviously, yeah. and that Crown have cameras all the way down South Bank, um, and know if you've come out, come from work from, you've had a boozy yeah, lunch or whatever, a boozy yeah. lunch, four miles down down towards Flinders Street and walk along there, know as soon as you get there. Yeah, I have heard of a person who was um, caught drinking along um, South, South Bank, Bank Promenade, where it is next to the Yarra there. And surveillance camera happened to catch him because the thing is they own that whole complex up to Queen's Parade, I think. Yeah, uh, up yep. to there. So even though most of it's not Crown, you can put your signature club card over there, or you can buy anything with chips through that whole complex up until Queen's Parade, I think. Okay. Um, so he, they got cameras along all there, um, and they got caught drinking along there and putting it in the bin before they come in. However, that was obviously incredibly unlucky because, in my experience, they've got the technology to to have these capabilities. But like, ever since the GFC happened and you've got people who aren't terribly intelligent making decisions, their first thing is cut back on staff. Yeah. Surveillance operates on a very skeleton staff. So they might have the capability to do it, but the time it takes to look this shit up, they're more likely to give a PR payment or go, I don't give a fuck, whatever. Okay. And I only know this because there's been way too many incidents that I know what has happened. But in order to do due diligence, I'll refer it to surveillance or refer it to my pit boss where if I know someone on roulette, they put a bet down late. And I know this on Big Wheel Roulette. I've got lots of examples of it. And I know 100% that bet is late, like 100%. Yep. But in order to not create a scene in front of the person, not make them lose face, I'll refer it to the, the supervisor. And the thing is, surveillance will tell you if it's a PR payment because they'll tell you the staff the truth and say, it was late, but we're doing a PR payment. Yep. PR payment because it's better for everyone to know that. Uh, that way the dealer doesn't lose confidence in what they're doing. You know what I mean? There's lots of benefits of doing that way. But they've come back and said, no, 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 it was on there. And I know, I know straight yep. away that's bullshit. And so the only thing is they didn't bother to look or um, the cameras aren't as good as what our no, public is. is. And it's a combination of both. The cameras are not even close as good as what they make us believe. I know because one of my friends got caught stealing chips, stole a $5,000 chip. But the thing is from the camera, they couldn't get a good enough, clear enough image to say that is 100% without any possibility of no, a $5,000 chip. Yeah. And um, he just denied it and went, well, and the thing is that we, we've got you on video. It wasn't me. <laughs> okay. No, it wasn't me. It's a big bluff. Yep, fucking oath. But that's all he had. <laughs> big bluff. Yeah, that's all he had. So, deny, yeah, deny, deny. Yeah. No court case, just fired. That's it. It's funny um, when you were telling the story. Sorry, what would be a bigger bluff is then suing them for wrongful dismissal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Go the Lance Armstrong route. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bluff in this. What, taking the pitch. Off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see what that's got to do with it. <laughs> I've only got one ball. How dare you? <laughs> You're all in. Actually, I've got one left over. Um, it's, it's almost rat holing, isn't it? Um, when you're telling the story about the one white dude in the salon, yeah. um, it reminded me again, going back to all the Discovery Channel docos on the, yeah. the casino cheats and that yeah. kind of stuff. They said 99 times out of 100, it's an inside man. Yeah. And that's how it's always done. There's exactly. always an inside man. Yeah. And, that's- and that's the thing is because uh, they're... The, the staff, you've got to understand that you're making them work extreme hours. Like yeah. you're generally working eight to 10 hour shifts, not on a normal roster. So it's not daytime where you're working nine to five. Like saying, it's repetitive. Film. It's mind numbing. Yeah. And especially where you're working day shifts, 12 to eight, night shifts, eight to four. Yeah. So 12 to eight, I mean, if you're working 12 to eight, generally you get home nine, nine thirty, yeah. cook dinner. If you've got family, put the kids to bed, spend time with your wife, whatever. Yeah. You're not getting up early the next day because... Whatever your responsibilities are in a day, you've you got to fit them from them. after yeah. 8 o'clock. 
And so generally people can do stuff, let's say late night shopping on Thursdays or whatever, when you come from work or just go straight there from work or whatever. But whenever you want to do anything, you've got to get up early. Yep. Not the life for a dealer. Yeah. Dealers don't get up early ever. It's like a, like yeah. a poker player. And it's very common yeah. you do six-hour shifts and have three days off in a row yeah. as opposed to having five shifts and then two days off. It's more yeah. common you have six shifts and you know, one yeah. day off or whatever. It is. So, um, yeah, generally dealers are pretty unhappy. I forget where I was going with that. <laughs> well, I said there's always an inside man. But, ah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Generally dealers are unhappy, so it's pretty easy for someone to come along and go, well, you know what? We've, we've got a long in our misery, so how about I just give you X amount if you do this? And yeah. eventually you'll find someone. You'll find someone in there who's up for it. And especially... Sorry. I was going to say, I take it you, all dealers would be um, summarily dismissed for accepting tips as well? Yeah, yeah. Or, Any meetings on the roof of car parks to hand over tips? That's, that's the thing is that, I mean... If someone's giving you cash in hand, yeah. But so many people do other things. Like, you're at a restaurant, it's on me. You know, you um, yeah. if they're a musician or something, like, I remember getting free tickets to Muse when they came to Adelaide because it's when they just opened up their 24-hour uh, little part, the new area. Yeah. And um, I saw Matt Bellamy, not Matt Bellamy, yeah, Matt Bellamy, um, playing at a table. And I was like, holy fuck, like, there was no one in the casino, in that part of the casino. I'm like, I know who that dude is because I actually bought tickets to Muse. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like... And this 2005, this was in Absolution or something, right? Yeah, yeah, it was Absol- Absolution yeah. Tour. Yeah, and so I've gone up to the dealer and just tapped him off for a break. Oh, like, yeah, you want a break, mate? Go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. play. Yeah. And I'm like, g'day, Matt. He's like, yeah, hey, you want me? He's like, yeah, you know, see. You want, yeah. you want tickets? So, I've already bought tickets, mate. So, and I want them. But the thing is, supervisor's like, I'll take tickets. All right, there you go. And the thing is, if I did that, man, and It'd the wrong fine. person, yeah, so if they don't like you, then they can pin your ass to the wall for it. But yeah. everyone does it. Yeah, Everyone does it, like, especially in Adelaide, where it was a very small knit community. Like, I go to Ar- Adelaide markets; I wouldn't pay for a fucking thing. Like, oh, really? Thing, yeah. And even some places in Melbourne, they'll tell you, you know, we know you can't give you tips, but this is my restaurant. Come down yeah. here, and we'll look after you. But for me, generally, people didn't recognise me out of uniform for whatever reason. So, okay. but if I wanted to, yeah, you look homeless. Uh, uh, <laughs> if, it, if if it was like someone I liked or their restaurant was legit, I'd be like, I'm so and so. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you better not remember I gave you that money. Yeah. Remember that money I took off you and your wife doesn't know about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, actually, that's not the funny story. <clears throat> Some of the dodgiest ones in there are actually the waitresses. Right? They are dodgy as fuck. Now, I've heard from other poker players, it's like, if you want to, because you can't give gratuity to the dealers, yeah. but each dealer has their favorite waitress. And they're like, well, if you give it to Susie over there, I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, nah, that's lies. Like, dealers will set that up. I can guarantee you, Susie ain't giving <laughs> Susie you shit. Ain't you yeah. shit. <laughs> Susie's like, I'm taking that. Well, no, they don't give me shit, mate. Nah, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. No, not fuck I've all. never had a dealer say that to me. Have you? Mind your money playing poker no, no. rather than playing table games. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had a dealer say that to me. I've had yeah. other players, but maybe they were oh, just really? sweet on Susie, perhaps. <laughs> 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 me, me as a dealer, if someone's offered me a tip, the thing is, I can't take it, so I'd rather someone get it. So I'll usually offer it to a waitress. Hoping that maybe they see me in the pub, give me a drink, I'm happy. Yeah, I don't care, yeah. whatever. You know, don't give me, I don't have to take the cash, but, you know, I've done something for you, give me a drink, you know, or at least say thank you. Yeah. Most of them, no. Nah, well, it's a zero something really? for you. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Just don't give a fuck. Like, they're all out to get their most tips, and it's a doggy dog world in there. Yeah. Like, waitresses are the fucking worst, man. Some are really cool and really chilled out, but as soon as they get that taste for tips, it changes because the tips there can be. Like, the well, highest paid people in the hockey room are waitresses, like okay. one waitress in particular. Say, you did shack up with one, so. 
Yeah, but she wasn't one that made any money. I was so fucking ever, man. She made fuck all. She was, she, was, she was the type of person that actually told players, just fuck, I'm not bringing any more drinks, man. I just want to be around you. You know what I mean? <laughs> there, was this, this, there was this one, it was a white guy, and he used to come on the table and bet opposite. His name's Ben. Fuck him, he's a cunt. Um, <laughs> well, get this. My girlfriend comes over, and she's like, she's got a train. She's like, you know, you want any drinks? She didn't want to be there in the first place because he's a fucking cunt. And he's going, hang on, just turn well, around What do you think of Ben? Um, <laughs> I, think he was like, yeah. I think he was raised wrong and probably some <laughs> you know, sociable problems but anyway he's got my girlfriend's going hang on just turn around for a sec and she's turned around going, turn back around he's going oh yeah not bad and she's gone <laughs> just fucking walked off <laughs> just threw a drink on yeah. him she went, fuck you walked off yeah fair enough yeah. and he's just, he just laughed he's just going yeah. hey, whatever that's funny um, yeah but um, I remember one of the uh, a music promoter very famous music promoter in Australia um, Can't think of who that might say, be. It's, it's, you know, uh, down. Um, he comes in all the time with some of the rock stars. Not not often, but always with some rock stars. Yeah, but um, always happens to keep his cocaine in his cigarette packet. <laughs> and obviously, being in that scene, has access to probably the best cocaine in Australia. And so, obviously, when he's high, he's with a rock rock, rock yeah. star. You're allowed to smoke at the tables in the hockey room. He start talking and chatting, and he always leave his cigarettes at the table. And the thing is, the waitresses who are the way client ain't no about it. So they're all around, just waiting for him to leave. And as soon as he leaves the table, it's just like a mad dash for the waitresses to try and get to his cigarette <laughs> packet first. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, fuck, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember at one point, we actually dropped it on the ground one time, and a supervisor picked up a gave it to him. He was like, oh, I think you dropped this. Like, do you realize that's fucking cocaine? <laughs> supervisor had no idea. Uh, no yeah. idea. He's going, oh, thank you. Uh, cheers. Cheers for that. But there's one point where, because in Mahogany, everything's free. So, well, most used to be all free, but now it's generally free. Holy shit. Yeah, I just, just make sure you're cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, good. I might have a cigarette yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, time out. Yeah. Um, well, you can go. We'll talk shit. I don't think Doug wants to miss out. Do it that element. It's all being recorded, mate. Yeah. Just, so, uh, that just pulls. You'll be right. Um, yeah, keep going. So, everything was free. And, um, one day, they decided they'd do a stock take of Mahogany Room, which fucking never happens, but whatever. <laughs> I imagine those stock takes are just as good as the stock takes of the video store when I worked there. Worst. They've, <laughs> they've stock taken the cigarettes. They were 10K out. Wow. 10K of cigarettes had gone to the waitresses that were not accounted for at all. Not only that, they go through and check because obviously the, your accrue points for, if you put your card over the tables, for how long you spend there based on your average bet, yeah. you'll accrue points that you can spend for... Something whatever. that's, yeah, like flybys or whatever. Yeah, yeah, loyalty program. <coughs> yeah. But the thing is, in Mahogany Room, they got that much cash. They don't give a fuck about their points or whatever. Yeah. And so a lot of time the staff, like especially the, the wait- waitressing staff or the hospitality staff, they'd actually buy shit on other people, other players' cards. Yeah. And just get it sent to them. So like lots of food and that. Like a player would put in food for him and his junk or whatever. They'd add, like, add a couple of dishes yeah, because the waitress yeah. have to go get them and they just keep them at the side and they never check the receipts yeah, or whatever. Not. Until with the... Um, Actually, manager of the bar was doing a warnings card. Right. <laughs> Found out. <laughs> he got sacked. The yeah. worst thing is, he was the fucking best bar manager. And the thing is, the, the best bar managers know how the room works. And yeah. they know that's how it works, man. That's just how it yeah, operates. Just, just how it goes. And he was the one that would always, his criteria for waitress, mahogany room, hot, tick, yep. yep. <laughs> In you go. It was just all the hot people coming through who were like, sweet. <laughs> then he got fired, yeah. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. I, I, I wish Doug was here because I remember there was um, a certain manager at a place we used to work. <laughs> um, his uh, his team was just a procession. Of yeah. That. 
He's like, oh yeah, yeah, same horror story. <laughs> yeah. Um, you remind me of a story too. I was at uh, the Star. I think it was Star City. It was called then. It's yeah. now called the Star yeah. in Sydney. And we were just grabbing a feed before. And there was a woman there, probably late forties, early fifties, whatever. And she's got a comped meal. And she's got two comped meals. Yeah. She's decided. So and she's got fish and chips and some other shit. You know, yeah. most of the day or whatever. And they're like, okay, just there sitting by herself. And you just sort of noticed out of the corner of my eye. I thought it's a bit weird. She's got two plates out. Like, eh, whatever, you know. Eh. So she has a quick bite to eat, not much. And then she pulls out um, Ziploc bags. Yep. Pours the rest of it into the Ziploc bag. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm still just like, I'm like, you really want to make the most of it. So I don't know whether she was taking it home or it's just yep. like, well, this is a bit for now. The rest, yep. I'll just take it to the table and there'll be my donkey bag as I go. Funny enough, I've seen um, a lady do that with bean shoots at a pho restaurant. <laughs> like, so, you know how like arbitrary bean shoots are in yeah. pho? Like, it's just a little thing. She's like sneakily got this little plastic container out of her bag, put it just underneath the table and is looking around while she's just scraping it all in there going, bean shoots, yes, fucking don't mind if I do. Dollar twenty a bag. Better save up. Better save up. It's probably ended up getting the markets. Yeah, yeah she, <laughs> no, no, she's white. <laughs> she's white. She would have put them in the freezer. That would have been there for yeah. fucking ages. Um... I had another story on that. I, I can remember a story. Um, I don't know many card tricks. Yep. But I know one where, I don't know if you showed me it or, I think you might have, um, where I can deal um, seven-handed um, hold'em and I can give full houses to everyone. Yeah, and seven, I can, seven-handed seven-handed five-card draw. Five-card draw, it is too. Yeah. Seven-handed five-card draw. No, I can give hand. everybody, it is, because I remember you have three and yep. three. Seven and color deck six times. Because I actually did it uh, at work for a presentation. Yep. Because um, I built up a story around it, but yeah. it's just I wanted to do the card yeah. trick. So I can give the other six people full houses yeah. and draw a straight flush myself. Yep. Um, do you remember showing your mate? I do. Uh, yeah, hang on. I actually thought about, like, I actually wrote it down that that could be the last thing that we do, like, because this podcast is going to be more than tonight. Uh, we're already at three hours. Yeah, so we'll probably write this up soon and... Um, yeah, we've got, got more to get stories. We'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll have you back in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, maybe we have poker first. Your place, play some games, then do a little podcast afterwards. Yep. Or something like that. It's a good way to go okay. into it. Like when we do BJJ ones, we have a role with the person and then do the BJJ podcast. So maybe next time we'll play with yeah. poker and whatnot. Um, yeah. Sorry, where was I going with that one? Um, the, the 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 trick. Oh yeah, the card trick. Um, that was one that so, uh, we were just saying. There's a card trick where you can deal seven hands of five card draw. I can give the other six people a full house and I can draw to a straight flush myself. It, it, it's a trick. You play, you play the role of worm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I, think, I reckon yeah, I've shown you yeah. ages yeah. ago. But there, there's a way to do it. And Did you catch a hanger, Sarge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually learnt that dealing roulette in Adelaide. Um, especially in Adelaide, one good thing that they did was that when they did training schools, like their trainers were awesome. They're probably the best trainers in Australia because there are lots of old school ones from Europe and from the original casino in Tasmania. Yep. So... A smaller casino, they could have uh, very good control over who well, their training. Um, and what they would do is they'll get not only the trainers, but uh, they'll call them blackjack buddies. But you get okay. experienced dealers to come in and be at a table to give sort of concurrent advice. So just so, real dumb questions that people like are afraid. Like to shadow you. And, yeah, yeah, but like in, in the actual training room. So yeah. just because people are afraid to take dumb questions and are not confident or whatever, they're there to uh, answer all dumb questions and you know just give them feedback about what it's really like. And the chick that I had had been on cruise ships for fucking ages and uh, she was a poker dealer at a uh, different casino, but Allied didn't have poker then. And um, as soon as the trainer goes out the room, she'll be able to teach us how to like um, set up a, a 
34 piece payout to look like a, a cock and balls or whatever and pass them out and stuff like that <laughs> yeah, like all sorts of cool tricks right so she's the one that actually told me that her name her name was Rachel um, she just got back from cruise ships I think so um, yeah she told me that trick uh, she wasn't supposed to like when yeah. one of the trainers out the room she's like oh, come on Brandon I'll show you this little trick um, so yeah she showed me that one but I reckon for maybe our next or subsequent podcast we'll do that as the last one to show them that trick because it's a fucking great um, trick to entertain people that's not too hard especially if you can set it up properly yeah but the way that uh, yeah the story they were talking about was that before I left Adelaide I was moving to Melbourne but I had a period over the summer where I didn't have to live so I lived in my mate's place and um, I had a poker table that you and other brother built yeah we built it yeah, yeah. built for, built for I my built 21st. about four or five t- poker tables so I enjoyed yeah. going through it and building it yeah so I, I taught my mates how to play poker and have a poker table set up at the back so my deal was I slept on the couch I cooked and I'd deal poker and um, anyway, so had a, had a party one night and, um, you know, there's a bit of poker going on yeah. and everyone's not a trick and everyone's not a casino story. So I'm like, all right, get around, I'll show you a trick, I'll show you a trick. And I'll start dealing out the cards and you've got to deal out seven hands. Yeah. The thing is, there weren't seven people at the table. So I was like, oh, you take two and you take two, whatever. And next minute, another drunk dude just walks in after I've dealt out the cards. Yeah. And he's like, what's going on here? I'm like, oh, it's Pokemon. I'm showing everyone a trick. He's like, all right, can I pick a hand? Like, yeah, yeah, man, it's all right, it's fine. Yeah, the important part there is, I'm showing you a trick. Yeah, I'm showing you a trick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've gone, all right, so it's a five-card draw, you know, whatever. Assuming he knows this is a trick. Five-card draw. Everyone changing over? Cool. For those who don't know, yeah, everyone gets a full house and you draw to a, a five-card straight flush, hopefully a royal flush, if you get a bit lucky. Um, so I'm telling everyone, yeah, dealing it out. He's gone, I'm all in. <laughs> it's not your turn to act. It's like your last to act, literally last to act. Um, we'll just do that when we get to it. Okay. <laughs> so this person... Oh, I've got a full house. Yeah. I Ooh, sit. Wow. Yeah, I've got a full house. The other person's on. The other person's got two sets of hands. Yeah. I've got a full house and I've got a full house. Okay, full house. We we get the joke now. Yeah. Right, yeah. All in. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? No, so this is where you get into the. Um, um, who was the old gambler? You know, it's not. Um, it's immoral to uh, not take a Canada Bill Jones. No, it's is it not? Um, um, who was the Jersey the, Wales? It, <laughs> you, it's not Amrilo Slim. Yeah, I mean, I said, wasn't it? It's, I, I it's, thought it's wrong not to take, um, you know. It's immoral to leave a sucker with his money. That's it, exactly. Actually, it might be. I, I'm I'm sure it's yeah. Probably after he had his granddaughter sit on his knee. You know what? Canada Bill Jones is, if you don't know who the sucker is at the table in your first half hour, then you are. Then you That's are why I get those two. Anyway. That's right. And Jersey Joe's like, why'd you know I'll come back? You know, who's your favourite? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jersey Joe Rowles. Yeah. Always help, always back for a friend. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, mind you, he's got all in. This is a trick. There are no chips. Yeah, <laughs> there are no chips, so you can't go all in. You got nothing. <laughs> so he's pulled out a grand, all in for a grand. All right, you've just got to let him. I did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't keep his money, but I got. All right, a grand. The thing is, people tell him trick. Nah, nah, nah. But you should see what yeah. I got. But the thing is, trying to sell the trick as the last cards as the cards coming out, and people look at the hands, and no one's um, drawing. I'm sitting there going, oh shit, I fucked this one up. Like, oh shit. <laughs> You're taking his grand and you have to pay him. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, this is part of selling the. the no, thing, you know what I mean? selling so, the sword. Because, uh, yeah, when you deal it out, the other six players get a full house. You get three of a kind. Yeah. And it looks like, oh shit, I fucked up. Yeah. So oh, okay. that's the role I'm okay. selling them like, fuck, I fucked this one up. Oh shit. All right, all right, all right. Uh, shit, all right, I'll just fucking. All right. Yeah, I'll call you, mate. I'll call you. And we'll fucking. So I've got, look, I've, I've got fuck all, but I've got a draw, so yeah, we'll see what happens. So, yeah, sorry. I've got three of a kind. I'm going to keep one card. <laughs> one card. Draw four. He still hasn't picked up on it. Still hasn't picked up on it. It's like... So, if, 
Surely, if you were at this table, you've tweaked. There's six full houses. He's got three of a kind, and he's throwing it away. Yeah, he's got one card. He's keeping one card. There's no point drawing to a chop. (laughs) (laughs) He can still draw the quads. (laughs) And so, obviously, I've got to go and draw against a mate, Anne. (laughs) So, I've got a straight flush, and I've put it down. Oh, straight flush. He's devastated. (laughs) What? (laughs) This is bullshit. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's a trick. And then I said, "Remember the start when I said, hold on, this is a trick.'" He's like, "Oh, this not a soulful house." <laughs> How much of his money did you give him back? I gave it all back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I would have said, "Mate, I'm going to give it back. I'm keeping this as a fucking lesson." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep a tenner or something. But the thing is, it wasn't mine. Doing fly and fly out. So that's yeah. why they've always got cashed up. You know, yeah. I mean, they come back to Adelaide, they got heaps of cash, and they draw it out and spend fucking heaps. You know what I mean? So. But uh, yeah, other way it reminds me of one of your favourite shows, Hustle. Hustle, yeah. oh, I love yeah. that show, and I think I've seen more of it. You have um, the uh, what's the bar Eddie, the uh, the, the, bar, the, the, the Scouse barman, the Scouse barman, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, him and Alfred, who's the old the, the old, old sage, American grinder, yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. yeah. Um, he's there and he goes, oh, "Come on, come on, teach us, give us, give us a lesson." He goes, "Okay, I'll give you a first uh, grifter lesson. Yeah, you've got twenty pounds." He goes, "Yep, yeah." Puts it in his pocket, says nothing. And you can see Eddie goes, oh, shit. <laughs> every, every time, though, he goes... That was the first lesson. He goes, okay, okay, next time. He comes up and he goes, all right, here's your 20 pounds back. Okay, but for lesson two, I'm going to need 40 pounds. Okay. Puts it in his pocket. It's like, shit! <laughs> There's some people you can't help. <laughs> There's some people who come back for a third lesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got it this time. It's like playing bloody three-card Monty and I haven't learnt by now. But see, I still see the three-card Monty happening on Las Vegas Boulevard. Yes. It still happens. People are still doing it, and people are still trying to pay it off. Yeah. And I've been a dozen times or whatever to Vegas. It's still there. And I still want to play. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think the greatest trick was, if by some chance you actually win, they'll mug you. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're not losing, regardless. Well, that's what I found. It's 100%... That- the longer odds you give someone, that'll be the most popular bet on a table. <laughs> like if you look at um, Perfect Pairs. Oh, I was going to say the big wheel. The reason why they brought Perfect Pairs on the back right was so they could get the people off slowing down the product productivity of a blackjack table. Right. So if you look at uh, back right tables, they've got Perfect Pairs now because right. the odds will still be the same, so you get the same payouts. But the thing is, with um, people who are not playing the box, just been on Perfect Pairs, slows the productivity of the game down right. heaps because they what they do is You've got five people trying to play perfect pairs on one box, which is only legally allowed to have three perfect pairs bets on it. So they collude behind themselves and say, all right, you give me the 30 bucks and then he's giving me 10 bucks and then yeah. I'll put that bet oh, on. Okay, and, yeah, yeah. and so you spend the whole payout just trying to wait for them to figure out who's paid what and who owes what. Always disputes. And so, yeah, the, the bigger odds you give someone, the more they'll bet on it. But the thing is, Casino wants to be like, we like giving good odds, but productivity is important as well. Yeah. You can't just give long odds and then just wait for it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, the, the other thing, the other line from Hustle, when you're talking about the three card Monty and so on, yep. is you cannot con an honest man. Yeah, it's rule one of the con. Rule one of the con. You can't yeah. cheat an honest man. Yeah. 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 Oh, that was a great show. It's so underrated. I think I've got all, I've watched um, all the episodes. I'll put it on DVD, but um, I think you can get them on YouTube now. Yeah, I've no watched a lot of them on YouTube. Yeah. 
Maddie, Maddie loved it too. Of course she did. Yeah, she loved it too. Um, it was funny because you know how there was the real hustle as well where they showed Yeah, cons? which was yeah. a Scottish yeah. guy and an English girl and an yeah. English guy. I've yeah. used some of those bar tricks. They're pretty cool. Like the one about, you know, uh, you get a pint glass and is it taller than it is around? Um, and then you stack it up and go, all right, what about now? What about now? What about now? And the trick is like people, when you look at a pint glass and they say, you know, is it taller then the, the circumference, circumference of the room, yeah. Most people go, oh, it's probably pretty close. I guess the circumference. And then you go, okay, what if I put it on top of this pack of cigarettes? What if I put it on top of that pack of cigarettes on top of this ashtray? See, the trick is circumference is really hard to tell because yeah. you, your eyes can't see it. Yeah. It's about twice. A uh, pint it glass, really? it's, about, it's nearly twice. So you can stack it quite high. So when you get like, say, a uh, pint glass is sitting, uh, let's say an inch and a half to two inches, people are like, okay, now it's definitely taller. Yep. And you know you've got double to go. You've got a long, long You've way. got a lot. So you can start stacking up and go, okay, what now? And then that's just a, a nice, easy little bet to, to yeah. win. I remember the same yeah. one where they did with um, on a pool table where you have two people enter the table, put a ball on the bumper, yep. and you've got to put one finger and try and get it as far as you can. Yes. Yeah, yes. I know. And, and it's backspin, isn't it? And people backspin it naturally. Yeah. yeah. And what you, should, what you should not do is try and backspin it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, the, the trick oh. is to lick your finger. Yeah. Ah, so it, it slips. And it slips, yeah, so it doesn't backspin. It'll yeah. just go and roll forward. Yeah. And like quite amazing, those little things. And I like that story about Amarillo Slim, who'd always come up with those prop bets where he'd He's have a, a king, crazy right? advantage that you would never think yeah. of. Yeah, like, he wouldn't make the prop bet unless he had yeah. an advantage. My favourite was the sprint race where he held on to the horse's tail. Yes. And just, like, I don't know if it was a sprint race against someone else or he said, I can run as fast as the horse or something like that. Either way. Yeah. Have you heard of this one? I haven't heard of the horse's tail. I've heard of a couple of others, but not but this one. It was a running race, but the thing was, he can hang on to a horse, a horse's tail. He's not actually running. He's more or less jumping, but he yeah. can do it for a little while and keep his balance and the horse is basically dragging him he just has to stay standing if he falls he's getting dragged by a fucking horse yeah but um, but he just put his like just touch down quick enough so that he'd be in the air when the horse is running so he'd be fucking flying yeah. and yeah. obviously no one expects him to grab a tail of a horse and fucking start, try to start running well the other the other one that I do remember of Amarillo Slim and I've quoted to other people subsequently but it's no longer relevant yeah. is it's impossible to eat a quail Every, every day, day for, for a month. Right. Now, that's not true anymore because they're farmed. Yeah. Right. But back in the day, what, they, what they ate wild um, contained some form of arsenic or something. Yeah. And it actually oh, okay. is so rich that you physically cannot eat a quail By every wow. day for a month. So Amarillo Slim had, had won this bet a few times. Because it's such a, it, on the surface, yeah. seems an easy yeah. bet because it's a small bird and it's quite tasty and, yeah. you know, yeah. We've all been and had a bit of quail and go, I can eat this every day for a month. But he found a couple of twins. Well, they come in couples, obviously. Um, Because that's the definition of twins. Um, And got them to alternate. I'm going to write this down. So they each came up each day for 15 days of a 30-day month. So he could prove that he could win it. (laughs) He could do it, yeah. Yeah. See, I I thought that was going where Amarillo had cottoned on to. You couldn't eat quail for for three months in a row or whatever. But he found out a way to actually get over that one. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's essentially what he did. So you had these people... To, to win the bet. That's I was just true. thinking the angle was working the other way where he's like, I've found this little piece of information that no one else knows. So yeah. I'll challenge someone to eat a quail for every day for 30 days. Yeah. Uh, I think it was uh, Phil Luck who actually went and tried and went, oh, actually, it's really easy to do because of that. The wild quail was different. Yeah. To, to, okay. Uh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because um, he tried and went, no, it's piss piss. Right. 
the other the other Amarillo Slim prop bet is that when he's doing the rounds with Doyle Brunson and um, Sailor. Yeah. Tony Sailor. No. Sailor Roberts. Sailor Roberts. Yeah. Um, and they're doing the grind through through Texas back in the day. Um, and Amarillo Slim goes out one morning, and there's a um, a farmer with a, a trailer full of watermelon. Yep. Yep. And he arranges for the farmer to drive through town yeah. two hours later. So two hours later, he's sitting at a bar or outside a bar or a coffee shop or whatever it is back in those days in Amarillo, Texas, wherever it may be. <laughs> um, and this watermelon truck drives past and he says to Doyle and um, Tony and Sailor Roberts, you know, I let's reckon there's how many, let's have a bet. How many, um, <laughs> how many watermelons on there? Of course, he'd been out two hours early and unloaded them, counted them and put them all back. So. I think they were all in his book, um, Amarillo in a World of Fat People or something like that. Prop bets are so funny. Like, yeah, there's a famous one about he played ping pong. Oh, with uh, saucepans. A skillet. A skillet. Oh, yeah. that's right, yeah. But then what I loved was the second part of that was he took somebody because he practiced with a skillet. Um, and uh, anyway, the bet was we'll play um, ping pong, but I get to choose the racket. Yep. Or the bat. Yep. And he chose a skillet. And of course, he practiced with a skillet, so he's good at it. Yeah. Anyway, so there was this other guy who, he t- who Slim had taken for a bunch of money and he knew of the con. But the problem was Slim knew that he knew at the con. <laughs> so, it was, uh, it's like a chopstick or a dustpan and brush or something, wasn't it? No, he, he lined it up. He actually got a professional ping pong player. He said, you play my guy. All right. He goes, all right, same bet. You name the place that I get to pick the bat. And they've got, okay. So they've trained this guy up on uh, on how to use a skillet. <laughs> Slim knew. He practiced with a Coke bottle. A Coke bottle, that was it. So he, he came back, he played the Coke bottle. He said the guy was getting good towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> so he still took him, for, took him for his money. But I mean... You don't take a prop bet with those kind of people when they're yeah. only making it if they've got an advantage. Yeah. Um, but oh, God. it's almost as, as much hard or sort of it's research and investment yeah. as a magician does it, in their tricks. Yes. It's, it, is, it is an art. You're the, absolutely right. Yeah. The trick is that they go to lengths that you wouldn't expect somebody to go. That's to. exactly right. That's what the trick yeah. is. Because yeah, you got to think who would go to that effort, but not even that. You wouldn't think of going to that effort. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember because uh, I love. Uh, Penn and Teller mm. um, and Penn was saying this one part where they um, they take a mobile phone and they throw it over your shoulder and they catch it in a bucket yeah like the trick is they spent nine months practicing yeah. this throw yeah because um, yeah. uh, that same mobile phone turns up at the end of a show in a fish in a fish in a sealed yeah. box top of, polystyrene box of ice yeah because they did that when we were there yeah yeah I think uh, that's yeah. still part of their show I think that's, yeah. that's one that's um uh, lived on I think it got even better because of YouTube and they turn it on the record and everyone uh, right. there's hundreds uh, of those yeah, videos yeah, yeah, loaded yeah. up the, the tricky well, that's how they the made shit. the name originally right? showing how the, you know, breaking the magician's circle and showing yeah. how some of the yeah. tricks were done yeah but it turns out that um, it's the presentation yeah um, it, that's what I love about the magicians we're talking gambling it's yeah. magicians in Vegas go, go in um, have you seen um, Penn and Teller Fool Us they did it. Yes, I've seen some of them. Okay, because there's season two, which is the American. This is where everybody now. comes on and tries to fool us. Yeah, and one of the they, there's one. I remember seeing one where the uh, Pendulet says, um, "I know how he did this, and I hate yeah. this, and I hate this." I didn't. Uh, I don't know how he did that. It was awesome. It was a guy dealing cards with smoke coming out of his. He was brilliant. So he, oh he did yeah, it yeah, that's right. He didn't talk. Yeah, and they said yeah. we don't. We don't even know how you 
uh, made the pen disappear. Yeah. Um, the point about there's now two funny stories out of this. Oh, I'm just stealing other people's stories. Just run them That's okay. Yeah. Play, you've done research, right? Plagiarism, stealing from one person. Yeah, research yeah, yeah. And stealing from yeah, two. Exactly. Um, yeah. There was one when they did it in Britain. Um, there was one of the magicians um, who was now on um, America's Got Talent was Piff the Magic Dragon. Right. Um, the thing is, he had this really cool trick. Um, they said, you know, they might not know how to do it. He goes, yeah, but it's not that interesting. I'm going to do this other trick. Um, the point was, the other trick wouldn't fool them. They'd know it. But it's a good trick. His whole idea was, I'm just going to get on TV. Mm-hmm. He, they, didn't fool, they didn't fool Penn and Teller. He didn't fool Penn and Teller, but they loved him. And okay. now he's got a full-time gig in Vegas because he knew it was the show. Yeah. yeah. And it was, um, it, it got like 8 million views on YouTube in a week. Right. Um, and Piff the Magic Dragon, like I said, he was just, I think he came sixth in America's Got Talent. So yeah. he's going even bigger now. Um, the, it made me realize how much of a professional Jonathan Ross was. Because at the end, yeah. Because Jonathan Ross hosts the show. Yeah, yeah. He's been on TV for 30 odd fucking years. Um, he, Jonathan Ross knew when to say nothing. He's like, he's killing it right now. I'm yep. just going to, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the foil. Yeah, Everyone's yep. laughing at me now, but that's part of the show. Um, the other one was, uh, they didn't, they had to edit out a lot. There was one trick where, you know, the guy does something on stage, he goes into a box, disappears and appears behind them. Yeah. Now, when you see it um, uh, on the broadcasted version, um, Penn says, okay, um, we know how you did it. And they go, okay, yep, yep. You didn't, we didn't fool you. Go away. What they now Penn said afterwards, they had to edit a lot out. He said, "Like I couldn't do that trick. I, I have a sister who's dead. Right. The teller is an only child. He couldn't do this trick." And the guy on stage is going, "Well, oh, I don't know if you know it. He's a twin. Yeah. So they're trying to tell you, like, okay, <laughs> you're 19. This is your one trick. If we tell everybody you're a twin, yeah. <laughs> you have no you trick. Got nothing left. Yeah. Now the problem, and the, the way Penn was explaining it is, in every duo, there's a smart one and a dumb one. <laughs> the smart one." Does all the work at the start. The dumb one rocks up at the end. He's going to face the questions. So the dumb one's there going, oh, I don't know, you know it. The smart one's in the box going, shut your fucking mouth. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you go, you know, he's a twin, that's it. It's yeah. over. I'm ruined in your yeah. career. So there's a big bluff that he tried to call. Yeah. I actually had a friend who worked at a casino who was a magician. <laughs> Just to tie those two together. Yep. Yeah, it was kind of well. Um, his name was Corey Morris. Um, but Still working? The thing is, um, doing something. Definitely doing magician. <laughs> he's definitely like he's a lifelong magician that yeah. did whatever else, you know what I mean? And a lifelong advocate of hallucinogenics. So <laughs> combine the two, you get a pretty interesting show. Especially when you're a croupier. <laughs> <laughs> so he take because you know how they've got that invisible string? Yeah. Yeah. So he'd always have a he'd like I'm guessing most magicians are the same. You ever roll that around your wrist twenty four seven, like nonstop. And so he'd wait until like 2, 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning or a Friday morning. And like, wherever someone hit over the card, and like, you're like, oh, you got your card there, mate? And you're like, yeah. And like, he just grab it and like, take his hand off and they go, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> Look at it. Um, yeah. yeah. How many things have I had? Yeah. It reminds me, do you, um, Antonio Spendari and Phil Luck had that show? Um, yes. Um, Street Magic or something, like yeah, it's, No, it was called, uh, I. I I bet you. Or yeah, I yeah, bet you. Something like that. Yeah. There yeah, was, um, because yeah. Antonio Sfondari was a magician as well. Yeah. And they made a bet like, can you go get a kiss off the... And uh, yeah, he said, can you get this girl to give you a kiss on the cheek? I'm like, all right. And it was, it was the times that show where 
they had some really corny setups. And you're like, oh. It was times like this when they were just, hey, let's go do this. That's yep. the fun yeah, part. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. need to be yeah. big productions. Yep. Anyway. Let's walk down Vegas trip. Um, he's bet Antonio said, I can get a kiss off it. And Phil likes that. No, you can't. Go. And then he, he sees him walk over there and he pulls out a deck of cards. He goes, I didn't know he had a deck of cards on him. <laughs> <laughs> he's a magician. He's going to do a trick. Yep. He's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's always got that, a deck of cards on him. Yeah, I've actually dealt, I've not dealt to Antonio, but when they had the the last Aussie Millions that I was at Crown for would have been 2013, I think. Yeah, just say it was. 13 about that. Um, it was right before they were having a 200k buy-in. Not, I don't think it was winner-take-all, but it was an invite-only 200k buy-in something. But um, I was dealing a, a private salon, I think it was Pit 98, the top of the um, Crown Towers. And uh, the guy who had that salon, he was the biggest bookie in Macau. And his offsider owned King's Poker Room in Macau. The okay. biggest poker room. I think it's called King's Head or King's Poker Room King's in Macau. King's Poker Room, but it's in another casino, isn't it? Or is it not? In Macau. It's in Macau. Yeah, so, that's yeah, A somewhere. casino in Macau, I'm guessing. Um, here and that. And they were really nice people. But obviously, one's the biggest bookie in Macau. The other owns the biggest poker room in Macau. They're here for poker. And they know all the poker people. And so before the 200k buy-in um, tournament they were having, all the poker 250K. players... 250k. 250k, is that what yeah, it was? Yeah, yeah. 250k. You remember the one? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the person, the bookie's name is Benny. So if you remember the hand, his name's Benny. Okay. Asian, the other dude was pretty young, pretty young looking, pretty fly. Um, so all the poker players are I in this room waiting for this, for this game to start. But the thing is, I've just dealt Benny this... Killer baccarat hands, like, yeah. and he bets six hundred k hands. Like, he'll bet small, but if it, if it, like it's to his liking, no worries, just chuck it out there. But like, doesn't care, you know what I mean? Lose, it's cool, man. I'm here to have fun. And this was full of all the poker players, so you had, um, fuck, I don't remember all the names, yeah. But all all the ones were playing, all the the whole was playing in that two hundred k tournament of notoriety and in that cellar. Then you would have had Negrano, Jason Mercia, Mercer was there, um, the English fella, Antonius. Uh, uh, Sam Trickett. Sam Trickett. Antonius yeah. wasn't there, but I've dealt with Antonius before on several occasions. Um, and also... Scott Seaver. Scott Seaver, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Who's there, super nice. Yeah, there was another... I think it's Belgium. Belgium fella or something like that. Uh, no, the Germans. Um, Maybe German, yeah. Uh, I don't know any Germans. I was loads. I'm not vocal saying. Um, um, I was just about to anyway. say. Yeah, but anyway, all the poker players, they're wanting to start this tournament, but... Benny's on ben, the Benny, 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 like, like they run Macau, so yeah. and he's getting a killer baccarat shoe, and they're, they're sort of hanging around there. So I got poker players on one side telling stories, which I'm interested in, yeah. and that's all I want to hear. But all of a sudden, I've dealt Benny a sick baccarat uh, shoe, and he's betting maximum. So I've got to concentrate yeah. on here while trying to listen to these poker stories because that's what I'm interested in. And so I'm like trying to do, do the both, whatever. Then Antonio comes around, he's like, sort of, oh, what's going on here? Oh, it's baccarat. Let me in, man. Let me in. Let me in. I'm like, come on, man, magician, don't know if I can let you touch cards, Antonio. He's like, oh, really? He's like, that is it? And so he's got a chip. What? He's done that chip where you're yeah, like, boom, the pop. Um, the, what it's called, because it's the monkey muscle or something, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know, um, man. So he's okay. on I couldn't his YouTube, figure it out. he shows you how to do it. Yeah. And it's months and months of training. Yeah. And essentially, you just build up this muscle in the palm of your hand. Oh, shit. Uh, and you can click it. Damn. And it's just by purely clicking that muscle in the palm of your hand, which actually gets it to rise. That would make complete sense because yeah. that's exactly how we did it. Yeah. And I could not figure it out. It's there. He, he shows goes, it on YouTube. Yeah. Well, the thing is, as a magician, he will do a bit of theatrics before that. Of course. And so you don't know what to look for because the theatrics go for a while so that, you know, to have subversion or whatever. And so you're sitting there like, yeah, just don't listen to what he's saying. Just try and concentrate on what he's yeah. on. <laughs> and then he goes, Dook! you're like, 
No, I, I must have missed it. Where's the trick? But where's the yeah, trick? it's yeah. as simple as that. It's building up that muscle. Yeah, it's that muscle. <coughs> so yeah, that's how I actually found out about Burning Man because Antonio was there trying to convince all no, the other poker players. I love going to Burning Man. It's his favorite thing. He yeah. said that was one of the most uh, changed his life. He said that was one of the most eye-opening and life-changing experiences he ever went to. And he's trying to convince all the poker players to go to Burning Man. Um, <laughs> right. I can't remember who the poker player was, but he's like, "Can I take my RV?" He's like, dude, you can't take your RV. You can't even take your fucking watch there that you got there that costs 50 grand. He's like, you go there, you take nothing. Money is irrelevant. Like, you got mm. money, fucking may as well burn it. Not, not any good. And he goes, it was so eye-opening. And he's the one that was like, I never heard of this. And I researched it. I was like, I want to go to Burning Man. That sounds fucking awesome. But he was trying to convince everyone to go to Burning Man. The funniest thing is, after Benny eventually won on this shoe and they went, all right, sweet, we can get our fucking um, poker game going yeah. down there, 200K. They're like, oh, Benny, what are you doing after the after today? Like, we're going. He's like, oh, probably go back to Macau. Like, oh, what, in your jet? Yeah, can I get a ride? It's like, yeah, you can get a ride. Uh, what else? Uh, can I get a ride? Uh, I've got four seats, guys. Only four people come. I'm like, how good a life is that? Yeah. <laughs> There's hanging in a casino, someone with their own private jets going, oh, yeah, I'm going to Macau tonight, tomorrow morning. Can I come? Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> On so many levels, that's just the best yeah. lifestyle to have. Eric Seidel, Eric Seidel would have been the other one that's there. Yeah, yeah, Eric Seidel was down there as well. Yeah. Um, I think he, he won the big drop, didn't he? Well, him and Sam... Uh, the not, the, big, not the big not drop, the big, sorry, the, the, the high the rollers. super high roller. Yeah. Him and Trickett shared yeah, yeah. first and third and first and second or something some, one yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Most of those guys are really good. Like Even Sam Trickett was really... He was cool because you could see he was a fan of poker and he was sort of yeah. like a bit late, so he was really interested to be around those people and... He was asking questions that I wanted to ask. <laughs> so like, I was like, he's my guy. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm chatting to this guy because he's on the same level as him. I got more in common with him. So I was chatting to him more and he was asking them, oh, so you know, what are you doing? And I was like, he's the one that's questions that if I was there, I'd be that guy. Yeah. I, I think Sam Trickett's awesome. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, but he's never won a bracelet and I'm desperate to see yeah. him win a bracelet. Yeah. Um, and he obviously came second in the first one drop to Antonis. Yeah. Yeah. So he's that close to the bracelet. Yeah. But I, I I always, with all of those, I'd love to know how much of themselves they had. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Sam yeah. Stru- uh, uh, Antonio Esfandiari won 17 million. Yeah. But how much did he actually, actually, actually put in his pocket at the end of yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always want to know the detail. Yeah, exactly. But as, as, if you could wish anyone to win it, I wish Antonio. Yeah, but he really right. is the like, top. The other one was Johnny Juanda. He was really nice as well. John Juanda. Yep. Yeah, Johnny Juanda. He'd play, he had a program open for CP chips. And he'd play blackjack and play tables. He was really nice, really good guy. Is he still around? Because he was one of the original full so tilt guys. He disappeared and I didn't yeah. hear anything about him in the last World Series. Yeah. yeah. Um, but him and Negrano and Ivy all came up together, didn't they? They, they were regulars together yeah, yeah. and shared stories and yep. shared advice and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, but Juan, John Juanda was one of those that. I didn't hear at all about the, this year's series. But I'm sure he was at the table at this year's Aussie Millions. Right. Um, at right. the beginning of the year, I'm sure he was yeah, at the same f- table rings as... A bell. Um, who's the English poker player? Female girl. Um, uh, hang on. Which one? Um, uh, God, uh, Vicky Corrin? No, no, no. No, the no, other one? The other one. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Can't remember. I'm getting old. Yep. Um, but I'm sure they're at the same table. So I remember John Joanna being there. But um, the other one that's... You know, tied into either tied into Macau or has disappeared. Yeah, is Tom Dwan. That's exactly oh, what I was going to say next. Duh. Uh, Duh. Duh. He's gone yeah. missing. Yeah, he's either gone yeah. missing or he's just playing Macau. Yeah, or else he's got something else hooked up that he doesn't want mm. to know about. And yeah, he's like done that missing thing. Because the thing is, uh, I know because I've, I've dealt to Durr as well. There, um, he's a really tall guy, right? No, he's not that tall. No, no, not that tall. Like, no, like, I looked at him. He would be my height. 
Okay. Not at all. But um, whenever there's high rollers, obviously Aussie Marines comes around at the same time, but they actually got the World Series, uh, was it Australasia or... World, yeah. or World, or World Series of Poker APAC. Yeah. 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 So a lot of the action is actually around because Crown has a fucking huge influx of gamblers from mainly China and huge Southeast Asia. Oh, like yeah. the, the top of Southeast Asia, but you get more numbers from, from China. And so a lot of that, the action is around people wanting to say that they've dealt at these tables. And so a lot of the, the high rollers that will come in around Aussie Millions time will actually get a poker room in their salon. Yeah. Not because they play poker, but an off chance that they go down there and they say, hey, you're going to come to our salon and play poker with Phil Ivey and Tom Dwan and yeah. those guys. And so they've got up there just for that, that status kind of thing. But the thing is, they've got fuck tons more money yeah. than these people and way more gamble in them. And so I remember this, this one story of this dude. I was in, uh, in Mahogany Room. There are two other salons on the main floor of Mahogany Room. It was pit 38 and 39, I think. And I was in pit 38. And during the Aussie Millions Day or the World Series as well, they'll have poker rooms in Mahogany Room. So it's not permanent, but they'll set them up for the high rolls because like we were talking about that story before. Um, but... You get some people who, who, especially in the hockey room, they will see poker as another game of chance, like yeah. baccarat or like blackjack mm-hmm. or like whatever. And so there's one guy in my salon who he come in and like happy as fuck, like the happiest dude, just now I can't, can't deal, yeah, sweet. And he win like 200k at the table, my table, which is like one hand, you know. So he might lose two, then win yeah. three, and sweet, he's out. He go to the poker table and just. Dump it back. All in, all in, all in, all in. He's not about playing skillful poker. He's yeah. about, did I win? It's the gamble, right? Did I win? Yeah. Did, did I win? win? Yeah. Did I win? And so he was doing that like every three minutes or so. <laughs> the poker game would stop and wait for him to yeah. come to my table. Just like the Larry Wait till he wins, yeah. yeah. And then though every pro sitting there going, please give me a Dude, please yeah. give me Dude, he did 1.6 million at my table. So the thing is, he couldn't have lost every single one of those bets. He had to win at least a couple of them. Yeah. Might have wiped out one or two. It's just, it's just variance. It's just yeah. yeah. You've strapped yourself in. Right? And so this when when the time that Dwan was there, I was I was actually dealing and selling pit ninety nine at the top of Crown Towers, and this this is a huge room. It's got room for maybe five six tables, and so generally they'll have two baccarat tables. That's yeah. it. Because if this table's no good, then I'll go to that table. Maybe three. Um, but Ivy was up there and Dwan, and these guys were fucking just crazy. And even then, like, Ivan Dwan went, one night, all right, fuck this, man. We're up. Nah, it's not worth the risk. We're already yeah. winning. Yeah. We already won, like, a million from these guys. And they got no fear. Yeah. And, like, they'll clean us out and... And not even... And, and, not care, and lose it back to the casino and not yeah. care. So they've gone, you know what? Even this is too volatile for us. And, and the, the thing is, it wasn't the people... The people who were playing poker were the sons of the people who made the money. Yeah. It wasn't yes. the people who yeah. made the money. You know what I mean? It's yep. the kids who've come over and gone, fuck yes. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> All right, get these cuts up here. See how much, much quicker we can lose Dad's money. And see if you can get me another skyline while you're, while you're out. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skyline's unlikely. <laughs> yeah. What do you reckon? I think we're at three and a half hours. Yeah. I think we might... This is, we're going to have to split this up. Yeah. Um, into a couple. Um, but this is definitely not the last gambling stories one we're doing. Well, um, if, you, if you look at this... Not many lines through stories. Yes, we had a lot. <laughs> and the thing is, this is like my rush, last minute, put shit together because I'm a lazy kind. You say even we remembered some stories that you'd forgotten. Yeah, well, that's, that's, over the yeah, that's like I was telling people was that it takes something really fucked up to remember it. Because yeah. at the start, everything's amazing. Everything's like a stimulation of, wow, this is crazy. But the longer you stay in a casino, the more you get detached from reality because that becomes your reality. The more and normal it becomes. Yeah. Exactly right. It becomes normalized for staff and players. And it's scary for staff because they actually have to go and want to contribute in the outside world and have their own lives that have nothing to do with casino. Whereas yeah. 
if you're a gambler, you can just consume yourself in there. And that's I, easy I to do. I can't imagine what it is like to see millions of dollars change hands. Yeah. And know that you're getting $18 an hour for it. Yep, exactly right. It makes you think, hey, where are my allegiances? <laughs> yeah. And the, and the temptation to palm a chip yeah. must be immense. It must take incredible resolve to to yeah. to to turn you back on that constant opportunity. Yep. Yeah. And honestly, every single dealer can get away with it once. Yeah. Every single dealer. That's, I was going to go right back again, um, bring it full circle to the Discovery Channel um, docos yeah. on the casino cheats. And I remember one of the casino bosses always said, like, you might cheat and you might win. Yeah. And you might cheat a hundred times and you might win. Yeah. I catch you once. Yeah. Game over. I yeah. win. And that's and what it all is. The scary thing now is that, especially one of the easiest ways to cheat is on a roulette table where, because you can mark up colors. So let's say I go to a roulette table. It's a $5 roulette table. So every color chip is worth five bucks. Yeah. Yep. I can go there and say, look, I want a $10 color. And so for that one color, every chip's worth 10 bucks. Yeah. Yep. That's why they have a color chart where yep. at the start, when you open, that, open up that float, you count all the chips of each color and you write it down so that whenever everyone marks up a color, you can look at it and go, all right, I've got 200 chips there. So I write 200 down here because what can happen is that he could come um, the day before and buy, let's say, yeah. three stacks of red. And he might keep a stack in his pocket. He comes oh, yeah. the next day and he goes, I want to mark red up to $10. No, All he does is bet those chips and he cashes them out or whatever. Yeah. He's up, you know, oh, double yeah. whatever it's it double is. Double yeah. Yeah. The thing is, it's obvious as fuck because you've got a color <laughs> chart there and it says at the start of your shift how many chips were there. Yeah. And so from a player perspective, you just don't know that they cover these bases and that they're onto this scam. So that's the one that players try to do the most but don't realize it's the easiest to catch. Like, yeah, like, it's yeah, old hat. It's we literally see. like the easiest. But yeah. there's always young people who are like, I'm a fucking genius. I've got this figured <laughs> out, man. Out, yeah, yeah no one's going to know a thing. They're, they're also the same people that take their... Yeah, their lilac chips with number 18 on them <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. to table 14. And Good that, with an anchor on it. Oh, yeah. God. That's yeah. only for that table yeah. over there. We're not that fucking retarded, dude. Like, <laughs> someone's tried that before. You've had 12 yeah. years. Think about this when you're sober. Yeah. But the worst thing is, is that they'll get away with it once, twice, three times. I think they're set. Casinos yeah. caught them the first time. Yeah. They're just waiting for that to get to a point where they can make an example out of them. Greed yeah. gets a bit of them. Exactly. So they will know from the first time you do that but they won't ping you for that. They'll wait until you fuck yourself completely. You've done enough times where through legislation, they can ping you for, let's say, grand theft or something yeah. like that. Wow. And then they'll make an example out of you. So it goes into the media, it goes everywhere like that. Like, cheat a court, fuck this guy. So if you think you're getting away with it, cut your losses right now <laughs> and you're, you've won. But yeah. if you think you're going to sustain that, no chance. Yeah. That's why I say dealers can get away with stealing chips once. But try and do it twice, you can't, you can't argue against that. You know what I mean? You can't catch it's very Yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. All right, well... I reckon we'll wrap it up there. Yep. I've got to go to work soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Peace. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.